For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts. We have a member of Ungarda Shikana taken to hospital with serious injuries. It's a story that makes uh, the front page of the mirror this morning. Garda fights for life after car smash. Officer suffers severe leg injuries as squad vehicle is struck. And by all accounts, he suffered the leg injuries when he uh, was um, helping um, some motorist this morning, the mirror says he suffered severe leg injuries when his parked, unmarked car was hit near Yall. He was helping out someone whose car had broken down uh, when he was hit and four ambulances were sent to the scene. Crash happened around about seven o'clock uh, last evening. A married man with children responding to a breakdown. Driving conditions described as dark and wet with a lot of surface water, according to uh, the mirror this morning. There's a Garda statement from Garda Press, which I'll come back to in a, in a few minutes' time with Barry Roach. He covers it extensively in the Irish Times this morning in quite some detail. He says Garda suffers life-changing injuries after collision on the Yall bypass. Uh, in other Cork news this morning, well, the Echo today and indeed there's a a Garda press statement on this as well of a man who's been charged after two staff members at a Cork pub, the Briar Rose, were injured uh, Saturday evening in an incident involving a knife. I'll go into it in some more detail in a few minutes' time, but Garda had to be called to the Briar Rose. This guy enters the Briar Rose on the Douglas Road uh, with a knife. Uh, alarm is raised, two staff members assaulted in the course of the incident and a male armed with a knife uh, apparently has been uh, taken into custody now. If that wasn't enough for you, in the Douglas area, of course, we had a post office robbery as well. And that's carried by uh, Barry Roach in the Irish Times. And indeed, the Echo this morning says that the Lord Mayor Deirdre Ford has joined with Gardaí, urging anyone who has information in relation to the armed robbery that took place in Douglas on Friday to come forward. So a customer was held at knife point and a substantial sum of cash was taken during this. You remember the old phrase, daylight robbery? South Douglas Road Post Office, half past three in the half past one in the in the afternoon, and Gardaí are appealing for people who might any, have any information to come forward. So more on all of that in a, in a few minutes' time. In other stories, the echo leads with the story we were dealing with in quite some detail last week, and that is the length of time it takes for Cork City Council to turn around and to relet their properties. 75 weeks. 75 weeks. And then some. I've spoken with people on this programme who know of council properties that have been vacant for a number of years. So 75 weeks, and of course... Um, This is the government report that came out that criticised all councils right across the country for the length of time that they have properties lying idle. But Cork City, on average, 75 weeks. It's absolutely heartbreaking and should be uh, mortifying for those involved in the turning around of our properties. Hundreds protest then at the cost of living in Cork City. Um, It's uh, an interesting statistic that they give this morning where, in this morning's Echo, where Cork Penny Dinners are now feeding 1,000 people each and every day. They do it seven days a week, 365 days of the year. Um, And uh, the numbers were considerably down, they're saying in the echo, with regards to Saturday's protest. I mean, you know, the pre-budget marches around September saw thousands of people come out, but the figure of 500 or so turned up for the latest rally. But those that were there had their voices heard, and the echo describes them as loud, passionate and colourful. Um, the examiner today then talks about the grant that's available to people with properties that need work so that they can be turned around and let out to families who desperately need them. And they, figure the, they, they say that the figure put on that could be in and around €50,000 uh, to be extended and given to all vacant properties across the country in a bid to bring them back up to use as family homes. So they want to help people who 
clearly can't help themselves by giving them 50 grand to do the properties up and get them back into the market, get them back into housing stock. And then, of course, uh, avian flu. There has been an outbreak, and I imagine at this stage that the turkeys on this farm in County Monaghan will have to be culled. Um, fears uh, like Christmas dinner is at risk, according to the mail this morning, because we now have avian flu within a turkey farm. So bird flu. Um, now, one of the big consequences of this, of course, is sadly having to kill many, many birds. And yes, as a consequence of that, who knows what the story is uh, for Christmas dinner. Uh, but really, um, one of the big issues, not just for you know turkeys and, and birds themselves, but it would be cross-infection to human beings because apparently it is a very nasty illness. So bird flu finds a home in Irish poultry. And what happens then with the, the, the actual farm itself is they put a protection zone of three kilometres around the infected turkey holding facility and then a 10-kilometre surveillance radiant zone uh, put in place as well. So that's what's happening now. It's the first case of bird flu or avian flu in turkeys in a poultry farm in County Monaghan. And then, of course, another topic that we've been dealing with quite a bit is our health system. And why wouldn't you? Because it just goes, sadly, from bad to worse. But this is an interesting one where um, this morning the Irish Times carry a front page from a doctor's claim in Limerick Hospital, University Hospital Limerick. And this is something that we actually talked about last week with regards to confusion about, you know, uh, who's got what injury in the A&D? You know, who's got whose chart? Uh, what are the prescriptions uh, that have been given out and some of them incorrectly? Because his letter actually in the Times this morning talks about the near misses at the hospital's acute medical unit where doctors say patients almost died due to understaffing and a lack of medical cover. There's an incredibly heroic story of one brother who saved the bro- another brother's life when the phone charger in the bedroom went on fire. And it's a story from The Sun today. Six-year-old Donica McCauley was lucky to be alive. Um, and uh, he had uh, really a very close shave with death. But his brother, 15-year-old Dultuk, heroically pulled his younger sibling out of his bunk bed when he spotted flames in the bedroom. This is a story that makes the red tops today. Pulled him out from the bottom bunk, which was on fire. It's a story from County Donegal. There's a hero brother saving the life of his of his brother. And then, of course, we're never too far from a brawl. I get sent quite an amount of videos. of There was a, one at the weekend there, somewhere up the country. I can't even remember where. Two fellas squaring off in the middle of a big square in a town, stopping traffic, um, poking their heads off each other. And then another one, of course, that you might have seen is the latest one that started between the hurlers but spilled into the stands. Uh, there's a video of that during the rounds and the sun this morning says it was a scrap at Dublin's Parnell Park. Um, so you, you, I don't know what kind of sanctions you could put in place against the players or indeed the fans. You got spectators swinging a hurley at the heads of several players at one stage. And you can see in, you can see in the video supporters, so-called supporters of hurling, climbing over the seats to get down as fast as they can to get involved in the fight and the brawl. So that's an interesting one. Other injuries-related stories. There's one where this woman was flying out with Aer Lingus and flying back with Ryanair, but she couldn't fly, right, because she broke her both ankles, leaping from a house fire. It's a story from the Mail today. Um, And uh, she had the same injuries reported to Aer Lingus and the same injuries reported to Ryanair. So Aer Lingus said, you know, when she got onto them and said, I can't make the Spanish flight, broke my two ankles, you know, jumping from a house fire. Aer Lingus said, that's fine. You can have your money back. Uh, but wouldn't surprise you, I suppose, to hear that Ryanair said, unfortunately, we have to re- re- refuse your refund, 
request. What does it take to get a refund from Ryanair if um, it doesn't include jumping out of a burning building and breaking both your ankles? Uh, but Dee Laws, age 55, shattered both her ankles and damaged her spine when she jumped out of the bedroom window after a house went on fire. Um, I don't know why it is. It's like, a, it's like as if sometimes some companies just seem to want to attract bad customer service publicity and customers will be front and centre on the 25th of November. Do you know what the 25th of November is? Black Friday followed by Cyber Monday when you total it all up, those two days they figure will um, hoover up for businesses in Ireland 600 million euro. Now one of the questions being asked in the mail this morning is whether or not the discounts are legit. I have no idea. You know the price that they say it's at and they're marking it down for Black Friday. Is it a real discount or where do they come up with it? Whether it's, uh, you know, maybe a television or, you know, doing up the kitchen or white goods or brown goods, whatever colour goods, but something in the region of 600 million alone. Black Friday followed by Cyber Monday and apparently uh, people also might well be using it as an opportunity to do a bit of Christmas shopping. You heard the story about Ronaldo. It's front of all of the red tops today. Partic- the Sun actually lead with it. United have betrayed me. And then Christmas is coming. And uh, there are some sought after toys, of course, that Santa Claus and the elves are working hard at above in the North Pole. And the Independent this morning says it includes... And believe me now, I get the pronunciations of these all wrong because I'm way past toys and putting in Santi letters for toys, right? But for many of you, of course, it's front and centre and all you think about, particularly if there's a shortage. Is there a shortage, lads, of anything that Santa Claus is working hard on? I wonder. I mean, over the years, there was always something. You remember Teletubbies was a good example of that? Just couldn't get them for love, no money. Anyway, Lego apparently is back in vogue. I, 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 would, I would hazard a guess that it never actually went out of vogue. Meccano probably did. But Lego's been front and centre. Harry Potter did a lot for Lego, I think. And then you got smart ball skills, training football. Anything that gets them exercising. Uh, Nico Rock Crusher. That sounds like fun. PlayStation 5. You need a serious bank loan to get your hands on a PlayStation 5. And what's wrong with a PlayStation 4? Or a 3? Or a 2 for that matter? They all do the same damn thing, don't they? Anyway, I'm gone off on one now. Mega Car Garage is another one. And WWE Reckon Rampage Rig. Oh my God, that looks like a fine bit of kit. Pity it's not the big size one and it's only a dinky toy. And Ziggy the Robot Dog. Be here all morning talking about toys at Christmas time. But one interesting one, and this is to do with surgery, is buried away in the UK Times this morning. Did you know that there's an increasing amount of men who are going overseas to America from the UK to have their legs lengthened? Not their arms, not another body part or appendage. Mind you, could be that as well. But this is their legs lengthened. It's an £80,000 operation. And it generally involves, forgive me for saying it this hour of the morning, breaking bones in the legs and gradually lengthening them using all sorts of devices. Apparently few surgeons in the UK will actually do it. So an increasing number of British men are flying to the United States for leg lengthening surgery in an attempt to become taller. It's an interesting one, isn't it? 80 grand. And I love that story in the Echo this morning. I'm the last Drisheen maker in all of Ireland. His name is Donna O'Reilly and he holds a lonely position, as they say in the Echo today, as Ireland's last Drisheen maker. I may well come back to this story a little later on because O'Reilly's stall in the English market has been there for over 100 years. And 
it, there was one stage on Leaside in the English markets when there were many Cork Trashine makers. But this is the last one. I think it's the Grand Parade entrance, a moment of correction. I think it's the left-hand side of the Grand Parade entrance, but it could be the right-hand side. I'm not quite sure. Left my right. Uh, but um, we'll come back to it a little later on and perhaps try and work out what exactly goes in to this rebel delicacy, Drasheen. Um And then I'll come back to more for the food issues because I see some more great stories in the papers this morning. And... <laughs> been trying to give out my own kind of silly tips with regards to the air fryer but there's more of them you save an awful lot of money using it instead of the oven and there's more things that you can cook in the air fryer according to the mail this morning and a new one on me is boiled eggs yeah you can apparently boil a soft boiled egg in the air fryer i mean i wouldn't be inclined to try it without reading up on it or seeing a video on it first for fear that it might explode but i'll come back to air fryers a little later on this morning Prendeville Show. Gold winner for Interactive Speech Program at the Imro Radio Awards 2022. Corks Red FM. And you can text 0868-104-106. Let's go straight to some Cork stories that have been making the news over the past 48 hours or so. All of them feature in this morning's uh, Irish Times. Barry Rhodes, Southern Correspondent, joins me by phone. Barry, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you doing? I'm good. Can we please start, actually, with yesterday's uh, very serious accident that led to a member of Angarda Shukana suffering life-changing injuries, a collision on the Yawl Yawl Bypass. What's the latest? What happened? Yes, Neil, a horrific story, really. A member of the traffic corps uh, based in Middleton, he was out on patrol in an unmarked car uh, yesterday evening about seven, and uh, he came across it came across an elderly motorist whose car had broken down, I think, on the N25 in the All Bypass. And he stopped to give assistance. Then happened, as I say, just before 7pm. But unfortunately, he was hit by another vehicle. Uh, we're not sure the exact details in terms of what direction and so forth they were travelling, but I, our understanding is he hadn't left the car, his own car, when he was uh, this collision happened. But... Um, it's left him with, as you say, serious life-changing injuries. He was in a critical condition. I think he still is. Our understanding is that the man suffered serious injuries to both legs and that um, doctors at CUH have to amputate one leg. Oh, dear me. Had to amputate it, did you had, say, Barry? Yeah, had to amputate oh, his right tragic. leg below the knee and that he suffered extensive fractures to his left leg. So very serious um, injuries, obviously, for that man and he remains critical life-changing it seems uh, Gardaí had appealed for information uh, or to the public for anybody who was passing by at the time and did any um, dash camera or anything like that he was taken as I say by ambulance to CUH they, Gardaí closed the road they put in diversions and they've urged motorists and they're going to remain in place sorry, until around midday today so anybody travelling from Waterford towards Cork they're, if they're business is local, they're uh, being diverted through Yall Town, but mm. if they're not and coming direct to Cork City, they're urged to turn off at uh, Dungarvan and come via from I and come down uh, the uh, in, in the M8, I suppose. But um, it's very expected, as I said, the, door, or the road will remain closed until mid the, uh, the forensic crash investigators examining the scene and Gardaí for appealing for witnesses. Anybody who has dash cam footage between on the Dial Bypass between half six and seven, uh, they're asked to contact uh, Middle and Garda. And just on that point, actually, um, I did get an email this morning from somebody who did pass it, and the emailer should contact the Gardaí. They say, I passed what can only be five minutes before the accident. The car was broken down in the slow lane, wet, dark conditions. They did have a red triangle warning just at the back of their car. I barely saw it, only that people flashed me to say a car was broken down. Uh, the guard must have got hurt just after I passed, says Lisa. So she should contact Gardy, shouldn't she? 
Yeah, Middleton, as I say, is, is handling the inquiry and the investigation. That's 021-462-1550. The Garda Confidential Line on 1800-666-111 or any Garda station. I suppose it brings home, Neil, the, the risks that... Um, Garda take. I'm so uh, glad you said that. Work yeah. Because, you know, we had a commemoration, or we had a ceremony here on Wednesday in the city, marking the 100th anniversary of Garda arriving in Cork in November 1922. And in the course of that, uh, Assistant Commissioner Eileen Foster and Chief Superintendent uh, Tom Myers, they remembered their colleagues who lost their lives in the course of duty going back to um, the early 20s, but obviously the, more, the three more recent fatalities there was the guard of James Doody was killed in a traffic accident in 1973, Wilton Lashine area, and then more recently and I remember this, uh, guard of George Rice and guard of Seamus McIntyre in the North Ring Road that were going to a burglary, reports of a burglary in Burnley and they were involved in a collision, they both lost their lives, so, you know I suppose this poor man last yesterday evening, whenever he started his shift, little did he think that uh, he'd be in the open sewage with the sort of... I'm so glad you said that, yeah, because I imagine that Gardaí go out and their families go out and their partners and their children wonder and worry about them. And this is the kind of work that they're doing, literally helping people in all sorts of situations. And this, of course, was, was a breakdown... Uh, on the side of the road and the guard came to the assistance yeah, of those. It was a bad weekend generally. I was just looking on the roads. There was a, 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 um, um, a pedestrian killed in Carrick and Shore in Tipperary and a motorcyclist killed in Omeath in County Loud. So it's, uh, and there's a hit and run in, in Gorey and Wexford. So, you know, the, the roads can be dangerous places. Clearly. And tell me, was there anybody else injured? I, I think somebody from another <laughs> the, car was involved. The driver of the other car, as I understand, has been taken to hospital, but their injuries are not life-threatening. Uh, as uh, is my understanding details are it sort of I won't say it happened about 7 o'clock but it was sort of breaking late last night so getting information was a bit um, difficult I suppose and obviously the focus everybody's focus was on ensuring this man got to hospital as quickly as possible I see one of the papers today were saying there were four ambulances involved in, in the operation so it was a question of getting him to CUH as, as quickly as possible yeah, and um, yeah, going yeah. for surgery I mean as I say it's, he was fighting for his life last night it's still critical today but uh, uh, doctors did um, carry out uh, the operation yesterday evening when he got there okay. last night rather Harry okay. thanks for that update of course there was a lot of other activity and we hope that he makes a 100% recovery and his family must be beside themselves with worry uh, in, in other news then what, what happened at the Briar Rose do you know? yeah that was a bizarre story. Um, Saturday evening uh, Gardy, uh, a man has been arrested 43 year old guy my understanding is he'd been drinking the Bray Rose that afternoon and had become unruly and, and disruptive and staff had asked him to leave. He left uh, about half five but came back uh, with wearing a balaclava and armed with a knife, went behind the bar counter and he attacked two members of staff one of whom I understand suffered a slash to the a wound to the face and the other I think a wound to the hand God. bar staff were able to disarm him and with the assistance of a number of customers they detained him until Gardy arrived and he was brought to Toker Garda station he's a chap from the Douglas area he was detained in Toker at Toker under section 4 which allows Gardy hold suspects for a maximum of 24 hours before they have to be released or charged so I expect we'll hear this morning whether he's going to be released without charge so you court at half court. 10 is it? yeah I'm not surprised at that Gardy have taken a witness statement from staff at, and customers at the at the uh, Briar Rose, they've also collected CCD footage there. They recovered a standing knife from the scene, which has been sent for forensic examination. But you know, it's a standing shocking knife. Saturday afternoon. Like people inside in the pub, uh, probably having watched the rugby and maybe some of the soccer matches and things like that. And then for this to happen there in a quite 
you know, a very quiet bar, really. They're out in, you know, quite in the sense of never being fishing no. for like this. No. Busy, obviously, in yeah. terms of it. Great trade. pub, just fabulous it's trade, good. great food. Every Christmas, yeah. the chef there puts on a huge, big, massive dinner and cooks for Edel House and all sorts of oh, homes. Oh, very good. Wonderful very people. Good. But the guards, actually, in fairness, they said, the guards have described this as particularly disturbing that somebody would, uh, a nasty attack, because as you said in the Irish Times, that he'd go all the way home to get the Stanley knife. He'd, like the guards are saying, he had plenty of time to cool down. Absolutely. Uh, one guard said to me, you know, she should come to bed and slept it off. But uh, obviously not. And uh, pretty disturbing stuff, no, you know. And uh, the fact that, you know, it came back, there's, there's plenty of time, as you say, or as the guard said, to, to, to uh, let the thing uh, pass, you know. But no. And then, of course, this came on Saturday. And then Friday. on Friday, we had a really, really fairly disturbing incident on uh, South Douglas Road, a uh, robbery at um, the post office, post office yeah. there, where a chap went in, uh, hat, dark clothing and a COVID mask and grabbed a member of the public in the queue, put a knife to their throat and demanded staff hand over money. Obviously, the poor staff there and the poor customer had, you know, it was pretty traumatic for all of them. They handed over what Gary described as a substantial sum of cash uh, the raider then released the man and he headed off on foot. Uh, the customer, we understand, wasn't injured, but understandably he was badly shaken. Totally, yeah. As were the staff. Uh, it happened just before 2 p.m. on Friday. Uh, the man was described as being in his 40s, as I say, wearing a dark heart hat as well as a COVID mask. But he may have discarded the mask soon after fleeing the scene. Uh, Gardaí have begun harvesting CCTV footage from the post office and other business premises, as well as some host, private houses on South Douglas Road in a bit to try and identify the culprit. But again, they'd appeal to anyone who was in the area. Dashcam. Passing with Dashcam uh, and may have captured the man fleeing to contact them. And uh, Anglesey Street Garda Station is the number there, uh, 0214522000 or any Garda Station or the Garda Confidential Line. But again, you know, we haven't had that sort of a, I won't say hostage taking sort of... No, scenario, it's a different... Because it, it would be hard enough if there was nobody in the post office to get in over yeah, the counter because you, know. you can't. But with a, with a customer... To yeah, grab a customer in the queue, knife to yeah. the throat, that's nasty. Yeah, I, and to be honest, um, you know, Cork has been, I might be wrong on this one, but it's been relatively quiet in that terms of there have been some jump over raids, all right, but I can't recall one yeah. coming to mind easily. Or, uh, well, you remember the bookies in Glanmire and then with some so, kind of a... Yeah, but... The pensioner took them on, remember? The, yeah, the pensioner took them on and put them... Uh, but I don't remember a situation where somebody grabbed... A customer no, before no. and held a knife to their throat. That's sort of a nasty, worrying development, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So hopefully they'll, um, Gary will have success in tracking down whoever is responsible for this and bringing them before the courts. And as I say, the number there is Anglesey Street 45021, uh, obviously 452200, if anybody has anything that can help Gary in their investigation there. But no, it was a busy weekend on a few fronts. And then, of course, uh, the Taoiseach was speaking at the opening of the new. Um, Stroke unit in CUH as well on Saturday, uh, which seems to be helping about 1,200 people a year in Munster who get strokes, you know, intervening early and... Uh, Knowing the signs, yeah. Mitigate, mitigating the impact of it and then helping with their rehabilitation. So, and then there was the cost of living um, uh, process. Were you at that, I wonder? No, I didn't. I, I picked up on it afterwards. But uh, no, there's, it was busy on the news front, but obviously the most horrific ones are those that we've just spoken about, particularly the old one, you know. And our thoughts are with him, a member of Vanguard Shikona and his family. May he make a 100% recovery. Barry, as always, thank you so much for taking calls this morning.
uh, on lots of different topics on Leaside Barry Road, Southern Correspondent with the Irish Times. Our lines are open. You can text 0868104106. If you can, have, if you can help the Guardian in any of those uh, incidents, whether it was Yall, whether it was the Briar, or indeed that awful hostage-taking um, with a knife in the post office on the back Douglas Road, do get in touch, pick up the phone, call the guards with any information, particularly if you might have dash cam footage or might have something. If you're in the South Douglas Road area, for instance, is a good example of this would be, say, for instance, uh, you know, within a few hundred metres or a kilometre either side uh, of uh, the, the post office and you have home security systems, it might be worth helping the guardy out by checking it and see if you pick up on this character. You never know, he might have been stupid enough not to always have the mask on you might catch a face. Winner of two golds at the Imro Radio Awards 2022. The Neil Prendeville Show on Cork's Red FM. Pick up the phone on 0818 and we plough ahead. Uh, keep those calls coming. Uh, Janice is standing by, but first up, Marie. Marie, good morning. Hi, Neil. How are you? I'm well. As a member of housekeeping and catering in CUH, have you got your €1,000 COVID bonus payment yet? Yes, we did. We got that earlier on. Yeah, I'm not actually a member of the I'm a member of household staff. Ho- household staff, sorry. Because yeah, I know that yeah. there are others within sort of different settings and they do include cleaners, security staff and caterers who still yeah. haven't got the 1,000 yeah, pandemic. And that, that's shocking. It is shocking, really. Okay. I read out a lengthy you know, email during the week. Yeah. Um, I don't know whether you got to hear it. Um, I did, yeah. From a member, a fellow member of staff um, yeah. who was talking about... Um, everybody's work being reassessed, a lot of different departments within the HSE reassessed, you know, public sector pay agreements and things like that. And many got job evaluations that involved their wages going up, but some didn't. They were left the same. Yeah. 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 Well, the whole thing with us is that um, in June um, 2019, we had an industrial action, a industrial action, um, for all the support staff in the hospital, inside the hospital, support staff, the reporters, um, housekeeping, catering, security, care assistance. And it was basically, we were being underpaid, right? Since you had battles with members of the, for, for this for a long time yeah. and that the HSC was, was messing around and not giving us our, um, our banding, our, our assessing our job, this job assessment, right? Now, before we start, I just want to say, I'm not a union rep, right? I'm speaking... As one of the longest serving members of the household staff, I, I started here 36 years ago. Wow. So I really have seen all the changes the jobs have gone through since then, you know. 36 um, and, years. Well, and, yeah, 36 years. And define your role as in housekeeping. What would that be? I have an idea of catering, for instance, obviously. Yeah. Well, I tell you now, when I started, me, we were given a deck brush, a floor cloth, a bucket, a half dozen J cloths. That was it for the weekend. Off with you. Drop a wash up liquid, cannabis machine, and that was it, right? Them days are long gone. Them days are long gone. Washing up liquid and Mr. Sheen and away you go with Mr. a few cloths. Yeah. yeah. That was yeah. basically it, you know. Um, most of the girls in housekeeping know that they're highly trained. We've all done CCP courses, chemical competency courses, because the chemicals we use in the course of our daily work, both for cleaning and in isolation cases, infected cases, pathways, which is, um, I work in theatre myself, but pathways you'd have... Uh, green pathways, which means the patient is positive, or red, or red pathways, which means the patient is positive. Do you know what? Positive for COVID, but everything has been treated now as if they're positive, right? We've yeah. COVID, CDF, MRSA, TB, influenza, we, you know, we, we deal with it all here, and they're all different cleaning methods and all this. Plus, then you would also have the auxiliary members of the staff who would be in charge of the, the kitchen and the catering aspect of it, even though we're not catering staff. 
So it's not broader than the the term housekeeping if you go into theatres and wards and and sterilise areas. ITUs and theatres, laboratory areas, clinical areas, everything. And they have us down on on the list of people that are being assessed as cleaners and housekeepers. You know, cleaners and domestic, we are are a lot more than that. And and you've spent time in CUH. Anyone that has spent time in CUH that has seen the housekeeping, they're a human touch. They're a friendly touch, you know. They are the actually, yeah. They're, 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 yeah. They are certainly on wards. They're there and they'll chat yeah. and they'll have the yeah, bit of banter. Yeah. And maybe a cup of tea. Look, you're not well there. We get you a cup of tea. And for, for your visitors, if they're upset or something, yeah. you know? So if you took We're that, if you here. took that role out of the hospital, you'd notice it's a it big time. You yeah. would. Yeah. You would. You'd notice it a lot more than, than, than any of the big management or anything like that, you yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah. As yeah. they say, we're here for the patient, but we are the patients that the patients see. Yeah. So why is it then that when everybody got reevaluated, a lot got increased, but the likes to say, for instance, um, cleaners, domestics, groundsmen, laundry workers, seamstresses, um, didn't get any increase and stayed on the existing band that they were on? So we don't know. Now, I'm only speaking for the household staff. You know, I can't say anything about anybody else. We don't know. We weren't told. SIPTO don't know. Um, as it stands now, we have no sip to representation because all our, our representation have stepped down. They've all resigned in disgust and despair at this. We're not getting any answers. What's the pay um, like, though? What are the wages like? Because there's, there's, there's at least 200, isn't there? There's 200 staff. There's about 200 household staff, yeah, both male and female. Um, we're, we're the lowest paid in the hospital now as it stands. You know the lowest um, paid. So I mean, for every year you you work, you go through different grades, don't you? You start yeah up to ten years. You get your increments up to ten years. After that, then you're on the top grade. And the, say for instance, what would the top grade be? Well, it was in the public sector, like you know, like there's different there's different methods of pay. Like if you do shift work, if you do weekend work, if you do night work, you know. Okay, so some of the shifts then would be. 12 days on, 2 days off, yeah, is it? Yeah, 12 days on, 2 days off, yeah. That's what they call the auxiliary shift. Then you have the night shift, that's 7 nights on, 7 nights off, which is 7, 12 hour nights. You depart time, you do straight days. I, I think that know? 12 days on, 2 days off sounds very hard to me. It's a killer. I did it for a long time myself. It's a killer. Every second day you walk 8 to 2, 2 to 8, and then every second weekend you do a 12 hour shift, 8 to 8. It is very long. And it there's no kind hours. of sitting back resting on your laurels. You have a job God, to do. No, no you have a six-hour shift during the week. So one in the morning shift from eight to you, two meals, you have breakfast and lunches in the evening. Then you have teas and you're getting ready for the breakfast the following morning. So just constantly preparing you, constantly cleaning. There's ice, um, since COVID then, there is constant um, the fumigations of water, screens up and down ladders. Now, I'm not complaining about the workload. Our workload is maybe twice what it was and more since COVID. But we're here to work. We're not worried about hard work. We're not frightened of hard work. We want our job respected. We want what, what we do respected. We're highly trained people. We're not your Mrs. Mock with a J-plot and a kind of Mr. Sheen anymore. No, it's completely Them different. Them days are gone. Yeah, yeah. Them days are gone. And we're not getting any answers as to why why we didn't achieve this. Now, we best of luck to all other support staff in the hospital, but also... Hairdressers, barbers, beauticians, they went from a grade four to a grade two. Why? How come they went from that to us? You know? That's a fair old jump and they must be delighted with it. It is. And best of luck to them. Best of luck to them. Yeah, yeah. You know? Uh, Those that did change and and will get... So if you move in a band, you get a wage increase, don't you? 
Yeah. Okay, so your caretakers, your porters, your hairdressers, beauticians yeah. and barbers, uh, yeah. I'm just flicking security through some of them, security yeah. guards, general operatives, all minibus drivers, van drivers, yeah. porters and porter drivers all moved from one band to another will mean yeah. they so get a wage increase. Bad. Yeah, but yeah. but the uh, uh, there's a figure quoted to me with regards to housekeeping that it's something like 26 to 27,000 euro a year. Yeah, that would be a ballpark um, income, yeah. Okay, all right. That's that, before tax now and all that That's stuff. before tax. So yeah. how in the name of God could somebody, um, you know, buy, pay a mortgage, rent a house, yeah. put food on the table, put the heat on yeah. for that? Yeah, exactly. Without assistance and or some kind of welfare exactly. supplement. Yeah, exactly. You know, we're the lowest paid. We work the same hours as everybody else. We work long hours. We worked hard. Now, like I said, I'm not complaining about the hard work. We're paid to work. This is what we're paid for. But what we do, we would like it acknowledged. This is all we want. Our job, our, our job acknowledged what we do, what an important part we are of, of, um, of the staff in here. And so has anybody need. said as a response to uh, the re-evaluation, why, for instance, domestics no. or, or cleaners or uh, no. laundry workers or, you know, no, you, you guys in housekeeping didn't get a wage increase? Our, our union apparently are waiting for the, the results of it and they will leave us not in due course. Because if you didn't have, have a cleaning... Yeah, I mean, no disrespect to picking any particular ones out, but hairdressers and beauticians and barbers were a grade four, now they're a grade two. Fair play. They got it. But surely be to God cleaning... And sterilising yeah. and uh, doing all of the work that you do is as equally as important. Yeah, if not more, don't, do you not think? If you're waiting to come into an operating theatre, do you not think that you will be waiting to have... Or a ward, yeah, yeah. Or a ward, if you were going into a dirty ward. No, I know that people say that there's this and that in the hospital, but as a whole, we're very dedicated people. As a whole, the household staff, both male and female, we are extremely dedicated. We take pride in our work. Are you understaffed and, and overworked? Can you actually oh get God, to everything? Yeah, very, very much. Very, very much understaffed. Very, very much understaffed. You know? During COVID, we did the same as everybody else. We came in, some of the staff stayed away from their families to feel, you know, we're just, we are hospital staff. We're not just cleaners. We're hospital staff. Highly trained as well. Specific yeah. training and specific skills. Yeah. Janice, jump in there. Janice, good morning. Hi, Neil. How are you? You say the bottom of the ladder and you're sick of it. Yeah. Yeah. How long have um, you been there? I'm working here 16 years. Um, I'm a colleague of Murray's. Um, we just feel that we're always at the bottom and we just want to fight for our job evaluation. Um, we're cleaners on the front line and we're, we're at a level of risk that has grown. Um, it's increased um, regardless of the PPE. Um, this has changed the whole dynamics in our workplace. Um, we're just looking for to be recognised for the job that we're doing. Um, I think they're, I think they're nuts, actually, because um, I'm not saying that you are indeed, Marie, will work any less, but you certainly would feel inclined, why do we bother? Yeah, well, exactly. I, like, and I feel that, you know, um, the, job, the job evaluation involves 36 hospitals. The CUH is one of the only hospitals who has a housekeeping and separate catering with no disrespect now to the other hospitals, we were put into the same bracket and evaluated um, to the likes of a community and acute hospital, as whereas the CUH is a Model 4. 
we feel we should have been evaluated independently. Right. We're not taking it away from, from any of the other hospitals. But at one stage, we were practically a COVID hospital. We not only yeah. were putting ourselves at risk, we were putting our families at risk coming yeah. in here. We didn't know what we were coming to face every day. No, and, no. and what you were bringing home. Union, yeah, and the only thing the union did tell us was that um, from the evaluation that our job has never changed. Um, yeah, but nor, nor has hairdressers, nor a beauticians, nor a barbers, nor yeah, a security exactly. guards or a general yeah. operatives, but all of them moved. Like, yeah. we got notice of this on the 25th of October, and it took 10 days uh, after the news broke for our union to hold a meeting to tell us that we can't yeah. appeal, but we're still waiting on an answer to even why we haven't passed the evaluation. Yeah. Tell um, me about your typical day, Janice. I'm working down in the physiotherapy department. Um, so, like, we're taking up, uh, we're dealing with clinical waste, um, we're cleaning, we're um, supporting patients coming in, going out. Um, some patients, elderly patients, are still nervous coming into the hospital. Um, even though we might be just cleaners, um, we're still there to be a friendly face That's to right. the, the yeah. public. Yeah, yeah. Make people Um, feel at ease. Take away a bit of worry or anxiety or stress by having a chat. Yeah. Like Neil, they brought in human touch, isn't um, it? That's what we call it. Yeah, yeah. And they brought in a job, um, a job banding for a job that's not even in place yet. What's that? You know, like we had a meeting. To be honest, no, Neil, we had a meeting on the um, ten days after we got the after we got the the news. And um, even in the meeting, um, we said on the letter, um, it said that we can appeal it, but uh, our SIP2 told us then at the meeting that it was a typing error. Yes, every one of our members received that official letter and email. And and the typo that you can't appeal yeah. it, but it said you can. That we can, can appeal. appeal it now. Yeah. You can, can appeal, appeal. All right. They, they said it was a typo. Have you so think, do you think that SIP2 have done enough on your behalf? No, no, no okay. to be honest. No, yeah. no, no. And like one or... Um, and have you said to them, they, why would hairdressers, barbers and beauticians go up two pay grades but yeah. you don't move, cleaners get nothing? We have oh, told them and they told us that we just paid, that we didn't workers. pass the evaluation. But why? They, we they don't know. know, they won't tell us. They don't know. They said they don't know. They're waiting for the results, they said. Okay, I mean, Marie, did you say that, that that you're just sick to death of it, of the culture within the CUH? I mean, oh, God, you can yeah. understand that with regards to lack of respect, maybe. No, on the whole, we're, we're treated with respect from all the other staff that we work with. You know, people realise that we are a vital part of of, um, of, of the staff and the whole in the, in the CUH. But to be treated, this is a slap in the face, Neil. This really is a slap in the face for us. You know, we came during storm, whatever, during hurricanes, during the beach from the east. We were all out there. There were people walk to work. Yeah, and, I and now this. Yeah. And like, Marie, we're not looking for a reward. We're looking no, for the pay that's commemorative for the job that we're quality. delivering, for the standard of cleaning quality. that is now required. Well, you want to be so recognised as just as important and critical role as others who have got wage exactly. increases. Yeah, I understand exactly. that. But why do you talk of a culture of bullying then? I can say that. Okay, well, but maybe you didn't say, maybe they're paraphrasing it here. There, is, there isn't a culture of bullying, is that what you're saying? <laughs> there is, but that's a different story. That's yeah, but that's not, you know, that, can, that shouldn't be tolerated either. 
Yeah, well, it's there, you know. It's there. Even in... Even in our meeting um, with our union that night, um, we felt kind of like as we were... They want to bring in this new kind of... um, job description called ward catering and they were pushing towards that um, and saying oh push towards this and we'll get you the bantry we don't want to be a bantry for ward catering we want to be bantry for the job that we do for the the cleaning that that we do that we take pride in that you know ward catering is a grade lower than you as in higher pay they're three no it's, it's not there yet. It's the newly yet. created one, work catering. Yeah, but yeah. they're giving it a band tree. So what is catering? What grade is catering? Those working, providing food? They're going to a band tree now. Yeah. yeah. But yet the cleaning of wards or theatres and things... They're still banned for. Seemingly our job didn't change. Yeah, it, it isn't as important, I suppose. Yeah. The health and yeah. welfare of the patients and the staff. And and the, the, that, yeah, that's yeah. lower on the list. And nearly even if you take cleaning out of any job, factory, shop, you can't run your business. No, any business, yeah. so any anywhere, even even an office, an office environment. There's no cleaning here, for instance. We'd know about it in a few days, wouldn't we? You would, yeah. Yeah. Like we're like so There's no housekeeping on the ward. You notice it. You notice it very, very fast. I know. I know. I understand. What's the next move now? Well, we're looking to see if anyone can give us advice of. Um, can we appeal it? Um, like we don't like we we want to know. Can anyone advise us? What so that next would be your there? that would be your union rep, wouldn't it? Sip too. They're that just wants to get see, much advice to them. Yeah, and like even when the um, so the support grade job evaluation it was agreed as part of the public service agreement. The scheme. Um, it was it was just it was a roll of support grades and um, were assessed by two evaluators and one was from the HSE and the other SIP2 paid for an independent. Yeah. And and what did the SIP2 they, independent rep say? We know we they're still waiting on a, they're still waiting for a meeting seemingly. Yeah. yeah. The person was inside by SIP2. We were told at great expense. This is what we were told. Yeah. But you pay your Sorry. your union subs every week, we don't do. you? Yeah. For 36 yeah. years, I've been paying it, Neil. <laughs> and how does that make you feel? Absolutely awful. We feel it down. Well, I feel it down. Absolutely awful. It just shows where, where what different things of us, where we stand in the great scheme of things. And how are you both coping then with price increases, inflation, cost of fuel, cost of heat in the house, rent, mortgage same increases with else. interest rates? Same, yeah. The same as everybody else. Treadmill is people coming in. Howling at home, turn off the lights, turn off the heating, yeah, close the windows. Yeah. You know, yeah. Christmas is coming, we're, you know, the same as everybody else. We're struggling the same as everybody else, Neil. And, and then to get this slap in the face on top of it. I know, and then to feel not valued at work, valued enough yeah. as others who did get wage increases. Yeah. Um, be interesting to see if we were to get in touch with, uh, with HSE as to what reason was given for allowing no yeah. change to your bands, wouldn't it? That'd be brilliant. Yeah, 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 yeah brilliant. we would love to know. Let's see if we can find we out, all right? Yeah, okay. Thank you so much. Not at all. Thanks for taking the time, Marie and Janice. Anybody else in housekeeping or indeed working in CUH and different departments that wants to get in touch, share your story, feel free to do so. Text 0868104106. One of the original contacts with me was somebody working in CUH in housekeeping. And that's what started this ball rolling with regards to the pay re-evaluations. And that was an email to neil at redfm.com. Dot IE. If you have a story you want to share by email, feel free to do so. Text 0868 104 106. Get it off.
off your chest. Text The Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Okay, a little bit of housekeeping. Another opportunity, it being Monday, to scoop a big box of donuts from Offbeat Donuts. Their recently opened shop on French Church Street is well worth a visit if you have an obsession for donuts. So we've got a box of them. A dozen or more in the box, I'm told. All different varieties from um, the French Church Street shop, Offbeat Donuts. So that's just before midday today. I'll be opening the phone lines for that. In the meantime, you can text me and tell me why you deserve to score a box of our delicious donuts for you and your crew to kick off the week, courtesy of ourselves and Offbeat Donuts. Now, our massive €10,000 giveaway continues. We're into week two in association with Soundstore. They recently opened their new electrical superstore at Market Green Retail Park in Middleton. And so we now know two voices. There are five in total. I can't tell you the two, but if you're a regular listener, you would, you should know by now the two voices that keep on getting repeated and repeated as correct. All right, so two of them, uh, two names. Uh, I can't give you any hints or tips, not just yet anyways. We move along through the gears. Maybe I will, but we'll have to wait and see. So all five voices in the correct order. Have a listen to this. I'm not opening the phone lines yet, but I will in about a half an hour's time. I love Cork. Right. FM. Five different celebrities all sing an individual word that makes up I love Cork's Red FM. If you can identify all five voices, I'll give you €10,000 to spend at Soundstore Superstore Market Green Retail Park in Middleton. So we'll open the phone lines, as I say, a couple of times, hopefully two to three times between now and midday. I love Cork's Red FM. Okay, um, if, if you wanted to know how difficult it is to be involved in cleaning and housekeeping and CUH, here is, a, and the fact that they're not being rewarded for the job by uh, a reevaluation of their pay scale. Regarding cleaners in CUH, my friend is a cleaner in the theatre in CUH. She's working mostly alone. It's at least a two-person job and she's on her own. She is more and more left alone to do it all. She often has told me she literally does not get a minute to even go to the bathroom as she's gowned up to do each and every theatre. She cleans up machines, utensils, beds, floors, walls, everything. And no wage increase for her is nothing short of a slap in the face. It's very wrong, especially when she is cleaning up bloods, tissue, splinters of bones, etc. Uh, among other questions that need to be asked is why they aren't increase, why they aren't recruiting to ease the workload. So she is doing, for the money she's been paid, the work of two people. Um, I was in emergency department at CUH on Saturday and Saturday night. I would like to thank the cleaning and housekeeping staff. They were constantly cleaning. Also, the catering staff were fantastic. They gave out a free box of sandwiches, cakes and even custard. Also, the girl was asking everyone if they wanted free tea, coffee or water. So proud to hear Marie and Janice on the air. Now, if that's not an example of what it would be like if they weren't there, right? Think about what it would be like if they weren't there. I wouldn't be getting complimentary texts like that. Text 0868104106. Calls on the way. The Neil Prenderville Show on Courts Red FM. Two-time gold winner at the Emerald Radio Awards 2022. Just back to where we started this morning with Barry Roach covering some events on, on Side. Two of them in the greater Douglas area. One in the Briar Rose, of course, where a guy goes back in with a Stanley blade. Have you been asked to leave for boisterous antisocial behaviour earlier on Saturday afternoon and indeed on Friday afternoon then the hostage taking in a post office on the South Douglas Road. Character goes in, all masked up and what have you. Can't see his face with a blade, with a knife and he takes a costume customer 
hostage in the queue, holds a knife to the customer's throat, demands money from the post office workers on the back Douglas Road and makes off with a substantial amount of cash. There's all that. And of course, a couple of weeks ago then, of course, you probably saw the video. I spoke about it at length. Two motorists going at it in a very violent incident of road rage in Douglas Village. A really, really bad one. I know that there's a backstory to it as to who started it first doesn't make it any right, any writer. It shouldn't have happened. So um, we live in interesting times, to say the least. We're joined by uh, Deirdre Ford. Uh, joins me by phone. Deirdre, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? Um, you don't want, as say, for instance, uh, the first citizen to be giving out an impression that this is happening all the time. Is that right, Lord Mayor? Well, I certainly don't, because they, these incidents, though regrettable that they are, and I'd like to take the opportunity, Neil, if I may, just to hope that those people who were involved in that, particularly uh, the, the people in the post office and the Briar Rose, that they um, are getting the treatment that they need. In we the don't know who that misfortunate customer was in the post office. It could well have been an elderly person, for instance. Absolutely. I go to that post office all the time myself. Um, and, you know, all these incidents are very frightening not alone for the people that are at the bottom of it, but, you know, the general public around. Um, and also, could I take the opportunity uh, to, to wish prayers and hopes for a recovery with that Garda um, incident last night. Yeah, yeah. Um, and all these incidents, I don't want to really go into the detail because I don't want to jeopardise that the Garda may be successful in charging them. So it's just in the general public, I'm worried you know, that these people uh, are giving the impression that this is a lawless cork, and it's not. We saw last weekend that we had the match between Munster and the South Africans. 41,000 people in the city centre went off perfectly, and everybody enjoyed themselves. But there are a few who are trying to, you know, upset that equilibrium, and they give the impression that they're happening all the time. Now, I do know, I saw a video of the the uh, incident in Douglas Village. People just got to realise, you know... That That's the so-called road rage, as we call it, yeah. Yeah. People yeah. have to realise what? People have to realise that such behaviour has to be punished. You can't get away with such behaviour. People are paying their taxes, going around, doing their business, minding their own business, and trying to live a happy life with their families. And to have incidents like this take over, we just can't come down hard. Do you think the city Um, is safe? Well, I met with the the, the Cork Businesses Association the other day and we had a a wide-ranging discussion on issues such as that. I think the city, the Gardaí are doing their best and I think that there are one or two things that we should be, you know, paying attention. And what, they didn't what tell, I CBA want, didn't tell you anything about being plagued by um, um, robberies and burglaries and shoplifting, no? We had we had a wide ranging discussion. Oh, but I wanted because they I, talk about that all of the time that it's a total they do, scourge. Of course, yeah, of course, and it's the daytime that's causing a lot of problems, I think, for the business in Cork City. Uh, so I again called on the card commissioner, please come to Cork, and of course, um, Minister Hill McEntee is invited also. Because what I want, Neil, is that we all sit around 
to see what we need to do in the immediate future to mitigate against incidents like this. Oh, no, I'm ju- I, I understand that and I hope the Garda Commission does come down, but I just want to take the opportunity to go back to the CBA meeting as to whether they spoke yeah. about burglary and shoplifting, as to whether they spoke to you about begging, incessant begging in the city, about homelessness and about drug dealing and indeed, in many cases, and I see it quite regularly using car parks, people shooting up heroin into their arms. Do they talk about any of those issues in our city? They certainly, they, we had a wide-ranging discussion covering lots of issues. We want to help the business and thrive in the city centre and we need to do something about those issues. Now, they're quite complex. There's no point in taking people who are shooting up and just moving them around the corner. We need to look at the longer term. Uh, for instance, I was out in Tabor Lodge the other day and, you know, they have plans for treatments I want the HSE come to the table. David Lane, you know, has expertise in that regard. So there's many, there's many issues to be resolved. But you do know but what the like- people of Cork want, and it's not in any way criticising the Garda Shikon and our chief supers on Lee side who can only deal with the numbers they have. They want more Gardaí on our streets. And we'll never stop calling for more Gardaí. But that is a matter for the Commissioner. I can say as long as I am in Mayor of Cork, I will, or the Lord Mayor of Cork, I will call for more Gardaí, um, particularly community Gardaí in the streets. That's a matter for the Commissioner, and that's why I would like the, uh, the Commissioner to come to Cork so that we can have a wide-ranging discussion. And what's his problem and like? What, what has he said to all of the different invitations? You're, you're not the first to ask him. Colin Kelleher no, asked him when he was Lord Mayor, and Colin Kelleher was very seriously asking numerous times. You know, the Commissioner, I understand, is a busy man. But we are the second largest city in the country and we deserve to have the Commissioner come to Cork. And he assured me that he would come to Cork. But, you know, there are very serious issues that he has to deal with. I've no doubt that he will come down. But can I come back to the bigger picture and put all this in perspective, Neil? 41,000 in the city last weekend. No problems. Everyone enjoying themselves. So it's the few that are destroying it for the greater good. Here's an example, if you don't mind, just to share with you what people's experiences are. Chap says to me by email, I went to town today with my wife and daughter. This wasn't today. I imagine it probably was Sunday yesterday. Went to town with my wife and daughter. My daughter's 11. Around half past one, parked in Paul Street and did some Christmas shopping. All over, from Merchant's Key to Grand Parade, JD Sports, Gentleman Quarters, Pennies, Keens, Jewellers, etc. We were in town for about two and a half hours till 4pm. We were intimidated after nearly coming out of every single shop. Every time. Being asked for a euro for the bus. Being asked for a euro for food. God love them. Every second door has a homeless person inside. God bless them. Not one, um, uh, and I swear, not one guard we saw in the two and a half hours in a major city. It's insane and frightening. My wife worked in Roach's stores, Debenhams, for years, so I'm used to town for years before COVID. But our city has totally changed and I won't be going in again anytime soon. It's a shame. That's how Cork people feel about the city. Well, you know, I understand people are upset, particularly if people, strangers are walking up to them, trying to get money off them. That's not on. Um, But having said that, I've been in the city centre many times, every day, for instance, I was there Saturday and Sunday, and I saw people enjoying themselves, you know, having coffee. There was a buzz about the place. The city is perfect. It's a wonderful city. And the people of Cork 
are of wonderful, nat- of wonderful nature. But I take seriously all these little complaints that we hear. If people are intimidated coming into the city centre, we do need to be, you know, talking to the commissioner, talking to the department, uh, talking to uh, the addiction counsellors to see how we can best come together to have an immediate response to issues like that. Okay. The city centre is the jewel in the crown for us. We need to be minding it. And you you forget, Neil, that, you know, we have a lot of festivals. We have the Christmas lights. We have glow. So for every negative thing, there's at least three positive things. And we've got to keep it that way. Oh, I know. Um, I'm all for putting a bit pride in our city foot front and centre. I understand all of that. I mean, just in one or two other related, they are related to the city centre, and that is, insane traffic congestion do you, do you drive do you attempt to drive from Douglas into the city or try and get from one side of the, the River Lee to the other for instance anytime recently it's nuts well, you, yeah well you know there are problems I understand that the 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 personnel in charge of the traffic flow has reiterated that people need patience and I think people are getting a bit angry as well you know people are under a lot of stress and I think we're going to have a debate tonight at the council meeting on uh, that very issue so I'll be listening very carefully to my colleagues Will you you be debating tonight as to why it takes Cork City Council 75 weeks to turn around a vacant property I wonder? Well now Neil you know as well as I do City Council and their personnel do a fantastic um job by and large of course there's going to be issues that you know for one reason or other we don't you know I know but this is the average this isn't one or two this is the average turnaround time for a Cork City property that's owned by Cork City Council 75 weeks well at the back of that Neil there are multifacets to that issue you know we have to work within the legal framework and while people might think that the local authority is dragging its ease I can assure you we have targeted the derelict properties and um, we've had many discussions about it. And no, 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 the derelict properties you're targeting are people, the, the properties that are owned by private citizens. These are ones that are owned by the council, by the city hall. These are yes. your own properties. Yes. Well, you know, there's huge pressure on city hall personnel, particularly trying to uh, tackle the housing issue and the homelessness issue. And they do very well. There are... 75 weeks is very well, Lord Mayor, is it? Well, no, well, I'm not saying that, Neil, now, you know. I mean, we, we would prefer to have it much shorter. But I can assure you, for the amount of personnel we have, they do a phenomenal job and we're conscious that we're trying to tackle that and reduce that time. Uh, I can assure you of that. But you know, there's many issues, Neil. Um, you could complain all day um, and people are entitled to complain. Well, they are if they're, hu- if they're on a housing list for 5 or 10 or 12 years with small children, if the case may be. They hear that um, perfect good homes by the city when they're vacated staff go in and they rip out perfectly good kitchens for instance um, you know, and take 75 well, I, board, I, I, and they board, the, the, the fastest thing they're doing is to board them up Neil I haven't seen people rip out kitchens now and maybe some of it is hearsay but I would say this to you last week I was at the opening of um, uh, properties over in Lancaster Quay uh, very soon we are going to produce or open other um, housing um, 
estates all over the city. Um, we, we are going as best we can. And the housing department are phenomenal in the way they work. They don't take a break and they're coming under savage pressure. Right. But look, again, I want to say to you, Neil, right. there are many issues we still have to deal with. Ah, yeah, you have to highlight the positive as well as the negative. You can't ignore or yeah. brush the negative under the carpet and say it doesn't no, exist. No, it impacts on people's point. lives. Yeah. No, of course not. Gee, um, I'd be the first to talk to people uh, about their issues. My door is open all the time. Okay. But okay. let's okay. not give the impression that the city centre is falling apart, that Cork is falling apart. I guarantee to you, for every negative, there are at least three positives. Okay. And we have to concentrate on that need. Okay, Lord Mayor, thank you. Before I let you go, I don't know whether you're aware of it, because I've just been made aware of it in the last couple of minutes, that the um, cervical cancer campaigner, Vicky Phelan, has died. Oh, yeah, and of course she fought cool. a long fight since 2014, diagnosed with cervical cancer, became a spokesperson for many women, of course. I just thought you might like to say a word. Vicky Phelan has I'm, passed away. I'm very sorry to hear that. She has been such an inspiration, yeah. not alone by what she tackled, but in her own suffering. My condolences go out to her children, her family, yeah. her wider friend circle, and indeed to all the women that she came in contact with. She's such a hero. Yeah. We will remember her and we will remember how her bravery and her acti- activism in the face of her own trials and tribulations. Well said. I am so sad to hear that. Well said. Thank you, Lord Mayor, for those Thank kind words. Thank you so much. Thank much you. obliged. Deirdre Ford, Lord Mayor of Cork, and that's just tragic news. Um, I think it was inevitable there were certainly signs in recent weeks that she was going um, from bad to worst with regards to her suffering. Uh, Vicky Phelan has passed away back after the break. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. And you can text 086-8104-106. Very sad news. Cervical campaigner, cervical cancer campaigner Vicky Phelan has passed away. She died in the early hours of this morning at uh, Milford Hospice in Limerick. Um, You might recall that uh, she was front and centre in revealing what became a national scandal. Much of the um, pathological tests for cervical screening were being sent to overseas laboratories, if I remember correctly. And she was diagnosed with cervical cancer in 2014, but she'd undergone a smear test in 2011. I'm just reading some copy that RT are publishing on on their news service this morning, just now as I speak. She undergone, she had undergone a smear test in 2011 and that test showed no abnormalities. Uh, but then she went on to uh, be diagnosed with cervical cancer in 2014 because the original smear check result was wrong. Like so many other women who are living or indeed dying or have already died from the same absolute scandals or original smear check result was wrong. And of course, if it had been correct, and correctly checked and everything, um, and it showed up abnormalities, early treatment would have been critical, absolutely critical. Uh, And she was travelling, of course, on a number of occasions to the US for treatment, but it all became too much for her in the end. And she wrote a memoir called Overcoming uh, three years ago uh, and became a book of the year. And I think she was, according to the RTE, she was named BBC's 100 Women in 2018, she was in that list as well. And she had a documentary of her life called Vicky, which was screened recently. Born in Waterford in 1974, lived in Limerick, always uh, uh, loved Ireland and loved her family and loved all of her friends. I met her once, actually. I met her once some, some years back. Gorgeous woman, fabulous woman. 
uh, always big beaming smile and always happy to stand and to chat and to talk. Completely unassuming woman who sadly passed away in the early hours of this morning in Limerick. And as the Lord Mayor said, our thoughts are with uh, all of her family. Uh, more on that throughout the course of the morning. Um, very sad news. Text 0868104106. Interesting text here. Uh, oh my God, I'm listening to you talking about the Briar Rose. I'm here traumatized. Myself and my husband went to the Briar Rose Saturday evening for a quiet drink. It was busy um, with families having a good time or watching sport. We were there at 10 minutes only when a masked man came in attacking the staff with a knife. I was at the bar where I ended up on the floor with chairs flying around, glasses falling. It was absolutely chaotic, so frightening. I was picked up from the floor and told by my husband to get out. So I ran. Uh, as I thought, um, you know, and others were running, women running with babies, screaming. It was so, so scary. I ended up locked into the ladies where I rang the guards and I was told to stay locked in the ladies till someone came for me. I was in the dark. I was in a dark cubicle. If I didn't have a heart attack, then I will never have one. It was horrific. I thought I was going to come out of that loo to a bloodbath. What the hell is Cork coming to? And that's a text who was actually a texter who was actually in the Briar Rose uh, on Saturday afternoon, as she says. You know, it really puts things in perspective. It was a very busy pub. People were in their eatings. Great food. They have lots of sport in there. Busy time. You know, around about tea time on Friday. Uh, and bear in mind as well, it's a very family-friendly pub and restaurant. So as she says, you had families in there with children. All of a sudden then fly, chairs flying, glasses smashing, absolute chaos. Thank you for that. Um, and you sound to me as if you're still traumatized from it. Uh, there is a man in court this morning at half past ten. So we'll have to wait. Well, right now as it speaks, we'll have to wait and see what happens in that regard. Meanwhile, back to the phone lines we go. Sinead, good morning. Hi. Very interesting emails and texts on this. One of them, actually, which I'll read out in a few minutes' time, is from a member of Angarda Shikana with regards to Cork City. Uh, but your experience? Um, no, I was just... Um, it's not just the city Wilt- centre you're saying, I know. Yeah. No, it's not. It's, um, I was going to Wilton on Saturday evening and was walking in and there was a man sitting down outside Tesco begging. Um. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. Age, I young know, man? Uh, like, um, oh, uh, I'd say about 60s. Oh, my God. Um, no, he wasn't Irish. He, he was a foreign man. I don't know. Um, he looked Indian to me, but um, I did give him something. But it's my first time ever seeing someone out there. All right. Did he have breaking. a sign or did he chat as to why he was there doing what he was doing? No, he was just sitting there with a cup. Yeah, and yeah. he wasn't exactly outside the door. Uh, this would be around um, with uh, if you're coming in from so, so, yeah, not so, not on the the hospital side, no, the back of it, around that side. I know what you're talking about. So you you wouldn't be the kind of person that would ask or chat as to why he's looking for money or anything. No, you just gave it. Um, I just gave it. No, I just, like it was it was raining at the time and. I think I'm just like that anyway, you know. Yeah. I don't yeah. like seeing them out in the rain like that. Like. Do you always give a few bob, like if you were in the city or in areas like that? Um, I would, and it would be especially to younger people, you know. But he just kind of tugged at my heartstrings there, 
the other day, like so. Yeah, I know. I know. Has, it's, it's going on all over the city. But like, it's so it's no. not uh, the point you just wanted to make. It's not necessarily in the city centre streets. It's also in the suburbs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Good yeah, point. Exactly. Well made. Thanks for that, Sinead. Louise. Good morning. Hi, Neil. Good morning. Right, How are you? So we're back into the city area. I'm good. How are you? How was the yes. weekend? Were you in, you were in the Mercy Friday, was it? I had an appointment at 12 and I was walking towards the Mercy from the back of it. And I went down a side street and there were two guys having a drug deal and they were having a big massive argument about a fiver. I'll never forget it. I met um, an old woman walking down the lane and she asked me would I walk her to the door because she was actually terrified. Isn't that an awful way to be later in life? Yeah, she put her bag up under her coat. She was petrified. And you know, so was I actually. The two of them were bombed, bombed clean out of their heads and arguing about a fiver for their drug deal. Yeah. I'll never forget it. One fellow was about in his 40s and the other guy was, um, I suppose he was about 20. Yeah. yeah, and he was arguing with the dealer that he was charging him too much or something. Yeah, that's it, yeah. About yeah. a fiver, he said he owed him a fiver from the last time that he wasn't giving him anything until he got the fiver. So, yeah, um, yeah. Did you, like the the elderly, pe- did you walk with I the did, elderly person? I did, I did, because she was petrified. I did, I did. She was a small, little old lady, and she was afraid, like, she was a, actually... And, yeah, she was very afraid. And she was literally going for a hospital appointment. She was going for an appointment as well, yeah. And uh, she asked me would I walk over as far as the door and I said, of course I would because I was going that way anyway. Yeah, but no, like, even if I wasn't, I would have brought her. Yeah. Because yeah. she was afraid, like, no, I'm 48. So like, you know, I I was younger than her. Like, But at the same time, the poor woman, like, at that hour of the morning, you know, you can't walk or in, in town, Neil, on your own. I never, I never go to town anymore. I give up. Too dangerous. Too much hassle, is it? Yeah, there's too much hassle. There's just it's just not as safe I feel as what it Imagine was. Imagine if you're in the queue of the post office on the Douglas Road. Guy comes in all masked up with a knife and puts it to the Imagine that if you were an elderly, if you were an elderly person, for instance. I mean, cashing your pension or buying, day, back, buying yeah, a few stamps to send a few letters. Mental. Cork has gone very, very dangerous. I feel, to be honest. Very dangerous. Okay. Never go to town. All right. Thanks, Louise. Take care. Thanks, Dave. Uh, Listen, this is from a serving member whose details clearly I can't give out on air uh, for obvious reasons. I'm a serving member of the, of Vanguardia Shikona, so you can understand I can't, nor do I want my name in the public domain for obvious reasons. But it is a reply to one of your recent topics, crime. Crime happens, as we all know, and can happen anytime. I do strongly believe, though, that the way things are going, crime will get worse. This is a serving member of Vanguardi. Crime will get worse. It's no secret in the media about the lack of resources on the ground. And even more worrying, the lack of recruits joining the job, mainly as the starting wage was cut and pensions cut about five years ago. Um, I'm in my 40s now with uh, at least 18 years service, 15 in Dublin and a member of the Armed Support Unit. Armed support units, call-outs, are those of what you are... uh, Sorry, armed... Let me just get that right. The lack of support on certain units in Cork is unsafe at present. Um, I'm in the armed support unit. Armed support unit call-outs are those of what you have reported on. The lack of support certain units in Cork have is unsafe at present. One particular unit may have only one car working a 12-hour shift covering all of Cork... Limerick, Clare and Kerry at any one time. 
So, as you can imagine, if there's a domestic call in Limerick involving any violence or a weapon, that armed support unit is out of the equation if an armed call or an incident should occur, say, locally in Cork. Because the armed support unit is gone to Limerick. There's only one. There's effectively no armed support unit available then to give backup to the regular guard of force. The armed support unit not only have the lethal option, but the less lethal options like taser, which is vital. Anyway, just a little insight. I've heard you talk before about the public order issues around the city. Hopefully it doesn't fall on deaf ears. Please don't give out my details. Now, one of the more interesting, well, it's all interesting, the entire email, but one part, one point there is quite alarming. And that's the one that says one particular unit or watch, one shift could have one armed response unit. You know them, they're the, the big flashy jeeps that the armed support use. Um, so you'd have one of those during a 12-hour shift. But that one vehicle could well be on its own covering Cork, Limerick, Clare and Kerry. So if there's a call in Limerick, it's gone to Limerick. So if there's any other call in Cork, then, of course, there's no backup and no armed support. Pick up the phone, 0818 106, text 0868104106. And back to the phone lines we go. Jerry, good morning. How you doing, Daddy? The Lord Mayor, I suppose it's her job, really, to try and accentuate the positive. But what did you want to say? Well, (laughs) she's getting too positive as far as I'm concerned. Right. Uh, first of all, the, the one thing I want to pick up on is that when you said to her about the take 75 weeks. On average. To turn around a house, right? Yeah, Cork City Council so, house. To me, that is a load of baloney, right? The Cork City Council are the biggest landlords in Cork, right? There's 750 houses empty. There's 10,000 waiting for houses. Yeah. And she said, oh legalities and all this. What were the legalities? What are they? Right? They own the houses, the city council. So if somebody moves out the Friday, right? It's not as if they haven't got a waiting list on that Friday afternoon. They have a massive waiting list, but where's the legalities? That's only, that's only baloney talk because... If you were a private landlord, which I think you were yourself as you wouldn't, stage, yeah, absolutely, you wouldn't sit, right? you wouldn't if sit you would, on your property. Exactly, you wouldn't, you wouldn't. Uh, what you call it? If somebody moved out of your property on a Friday, you would have somebody in there by Monday or at least within a week, even if you had to do some painting or a bit of tidying up. She says she doesn't know of time. instances where they rip out entire kitchens, but they do. We know yeah, of, of course that. They do. We do know they, they do. They do it apparently, they say, for insurance reasons, right? Yeah. And, like, I mean, how long does it take? It? They have a standard kitchen, right? We have plenty, very good, many uh, kitchen manufacturers in Cork. I heard that they gave the contract for renovations to one company. Um, yeah. Whereas if they'd given numerous contracts to numerous companies, all lots right. of different workers working yeah. for all those companies would go in yes. and turn around the houses faster, I would have thought. Yeah. Well, you see, as far as I can see, Neil, right, they have their own bodies to do the painting, to do the plumbing, the wiring, and to do kitchens and everything. And they have they have a guilt-edge co- uh, contract. 
far well, too I mean, long. Well, I, I have been contacted by a few construction companies and builders and tradespeople who tendered for the work in City Hall for the houses yeah. that take 75 weeks, but they weren't successful. So they were mad yeah. keen to do the work and probably would. So course, you, yes. I think you were saying in your text that they're just under no pressure. They don't feel as if there's no, any no, pressure. No, 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 no. I've got to tell you something now, right? I've waiting on the housing list 11 years with my partner. Right. Right? Yeah. Now, I was asked would I be interested in the property at a meeting in the council in May that it would be coming up. Right. And they would notify me. I have never heard from them in relation to that property. I have sent numerous emails and phone calls. Do the phone calls get answered or do they respond to your emails? No, no, no. Since me, I have said... So what would a typical phone call be? Do you actually get to speak to anybody? The person involved, never available. Is that all the time, every time you ring? All the time, yes. All right. And the emails don't get responded to either? No, no. 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 So it's not as if you're making serious effort. You're phoning all the time. I had made several phone calls and I, told, I was told the person isn't available that I was looking for. And do you ask and for I a said, call back and everything you say? Oh, yes. I was, yes uh, your, yeah, yeah, your call has been logged. We're sending her an email and all this, okay, right? Okay. Do you ever call and in? I did. I, I I called in and they called the security on me because the certain person in there wouldn't give me their name at the counter. I had the documentation, Neil. Yeah. I had the document, uh, documentation yeah. to City Hall and they didn't want to give me a receipt for it, number one. Eventually they did. And when they did give it to me, Yeah. Uh, the guy wouldn't put his name on the receipt. He told me he he wouldn't he wasn't obliged to give me his name. Okay. So what happened next? Uh, what happened then was I insisted. I told him there's a code of conduct for public servants, right? The security man appeared, right? Now I wasn't removed from city hall, but I was told to leave. Right. And you left voluntarily. I did. Yes. Yeah. And, and I had a meeting in May then, and as I said, I was asked would I be interested in the Southern uh, property. I was told where I was, and that the person would be vacating it in about three weeks. This is six months later? Yes. Yeah, yeah. No, no, they told me at the meeting in May. No, I know, but here we are six yeah. months later. Oh, yeah, most of my pound, yes, 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 yes. Yeah. All right. Yeah, and they... Uh, Okay, so no one answers, no one's available when you ring and no one responds to emails. And when you go to the counter, you're asked by security. Is that person that worked on it, you ring back later? You have been told the person is not available. Okay, okay. Right? All right, that's a typical The whole housing department is a law unto themselves. I was on to various TDs and one TD told me that if they get a letter in, Say regarding you or me, regarding housing, they laugh at us. I don't believe they that. Don't I don't think anybody. I, I don't think they find it funny and, or laugh at people looking for houses. I mean, that's a step too far. That's well, like, that's uh, what a sitting member of Dáil Leon told me. Right? Yeah. yeah. Me, uh, was uh, 
me whole mountain secretary told me if they get a reply. No, 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 no. See, that's not that, that's not well. anything that he said. That's not anything that he said. She said. That's that's third hand information. I just don't think. I that was told personally. I was told personally. Right, Dave. I'm not making this up. I'm telling you the truth. I was told personally. Right. That, that is the situation. And do you, do you believe that Martin, if... Michal Martin, secretary... All right, well, can you just leave individuals out of it? I'm not even going to go down sure. that train. You say you've been said it. You've been said that people are laughing at applications in there. Do you do you think that no, when you... No, they're not laughing at applications. They're laughing at TDs writing in on behalf of Oh, they of laugh at TDs letters yes, asking to intervene yes, on behalf of yes. people. Yeah, okay. They're okay. a total law unto themselves and evil. All right. Okay. Thank you, Jerry. Text 0868104106. Just one fast one this side of 11. Kathleen, good morning. Morning, Neil. Just picking morning. up on some of the topics I dealt with with the Lord Mayor. Go ahead. Um, sorry, now, with the Lord Mayor, the way I felt uh, what the Lord Mayor was saying, and Neil, is that you were putting the questions to her straight and plain, exactly as things were. And she was totally, she was totally sidelining the questions, airbrushing over it. You're, you're saying what was going on there? Well, it's, what, it's, what, it's either what I see or what people say to me and share with me on air. Um, That's the real world. Yes, yeah. exactly. So you're saying, Neil, what people are saying to you because they're seeing it as it is. Well, it's like a TD when, or a minister saying that the CUH is a centre of excellence for health. When we know that the place is creaking at the, car, at the, uh, at the edges and is about to collapse. So that's the real world. But, Absolutely. Know. And it's been airbrushed. Yeah, it's all been airbrushed. Yeah, yeah. It's to- yeah, totally airbrushed, Neil. Uh, you're not getting the real picture at all. So no matter what you were saying to the Lord Mayor this morning, she was going to knock you above what you were saying and she was giving her perception on things, mm. what she was thinking things would be, you know, mm. that um, oh, over Christmas now, uh, oh, you know, everybody will be going into glow. She was making a, a happy, fun a kind of a picture out of this when it's not at all like that. But no matter what corner you go to up the city, you do have these uh, uh, people, you know, God love them like, but they are there. They are in every street corner. They are there. And there's no good airbrushing all that yeah. out of uh, the scene that she's painting. So the first thing we need to, be, to do, you would say, is to be honest about how things are. Absolutely, Neil. Honesty. Honesty is the main thing here. It's about the honesty. Well, she was not given on this perception of the way things are because she surely knows the way things are I mean she's hearing it every day but she was airbrushing it to give her perception of things mm. now mm. you know putting herself in a comfortable position which I think is very wrong for a, for a Lord Mayor because like an elderly woman who has an appointment with the Mercy Hospital and she had to ask a younger woman to help her in there because she's petrified passing drug dealers that's a real life story that's right and I was actually at the Mercy Hospital as well on an appointment on Friday night, I went in, uh, had my, you know, blood test done and that, was coming out and I had a kind of a bag that, uh, you know, you can put over your shoulder. But when I was coming out, I came out a different kind of a way and I said, oh, you know, which way will I go? And I said, oh, yes, I go down like here. Well, as I was walking, I had my bag in a sort of a fold under my arm. Yes. And I felt, yeah, I was saying, oh, there's no one around. Like I was passing the houses just there. And I was ready to put the uh, strap over my, my neck area yeah. and leave it hang from there. But in, in the few minutes that I was walking, I felt the presence of somebody behind me. Now, for some reason, gut feeling, 
I stopped and in that few seconds, I put the bag over right over my neck and left it hang from the left hand, or sorry, the right hand side of the waist down. Yeah. And as I looked around, this 20-year-old young fella, and he was just a step behind me now. And as I did and took a view of him and see what he was doing, he was looking down the laneway. Now, I don't know what he was looking down the laneway for or at, but I felt then, oh, there was something going to happen here. So I kept on walking, and as I looked back to see what was going on, he was walking back towards the Mercy Hospital. Oh, way. So what was he at? What was his carry-on? Yeah, what was that I'd about if he, he was, wasn't watching you? He, I think, Neil, sorry for going across you, I think, Neil, what he was doing, he had me viewed, he had me spotted. I was going to be uh, in easy pickings. Yeah. I was going to, I looked vulnerable, maybe, you know. Well, uh, you're, everyone's vulnerable if they come at you from behind, yeah. Absolutely. And uh, he saw the bag, so he thought, oh, this will be an easy steal now or something like that. So I felt that presence made the bag over my shoulder. And as I did then, he walked back again. So he walked up first, then looked down the lane, had no business or reason to do what he was doing, and then turned backwards again towards the Well, he put you in terror as well, of course. And, uh, you know, maybe maybe he was sizing you up. We'll never know. But he certainly, certainly you didn't feel comfortable. I'd say, I'd say if I could vote for it, Neil, I'd say he was sizing me up okay. uh, 100% and he had me well spotted. I'd okay, say, okay. Up. all right. I'm glad That's nothing easy. happened. Thanks, Kathleen. Text 0868 104 Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818 Cork's Red FM. And contributions from you guys include the following. The Lord Mayor is delusional. The city is lawless. And she's talking about a game last Friday night. Uh, I was driving down Parnell Place last Wednesday when I literally crashed the car. I saw four Gardaí on the beat, four of them, and they turned onto Mailer Street together. I haven't seen one in town for a while. It looked very bad that they were all together in one group, split up. Lord Mayor is completely removed from reality. I work in the city centre. We are being terrorised by the same group all of the time. I can't and won't come on air because I would get into trouble at work, but we waited for nearly two hours for Gardy the other day. My manager had to deal with the same issue alone. Town is scary. Workers take some abuse, I can tell you. We have no support from Gardy. Uh, then we get abuse from customers because they don't want to see the stuff that we deal with. So we get a double whammy. They don't want to see the stuff that we have to deal with, as in, why do you allow that kind of carry on in the shop? I understand what you're saying. But again, this is just down to lack of numbers. No more than that. Lord Mayor is living in imagination land, calling the city perfect and the city centre being the jewel in the crown. The city centre is a mess. Low lives and scumbags everywhere. Intimidation is rampant. People shooting up in broad daylight, baiting the heads off each other. Why anyone would want to go in there shopping anymore is beyond me. Uh, she needs to get her head out of the clouds. The city is lost. And one final one. I wonder if the Lord Mayor would be so quick to come on air if these incidents and robberies and assaults had happened in another suburb of the city. You'd easily know Douglas is her electoral area. Well, <laughs> I spent an hour talking about lawlessness in Douglas between 9 and 10 this morning. Whether the post office, um, the carry-on with regards to a man going in with a knife into the Briar Rose, the really bad road rage incident inside in the village with guys beating the heads off each other in traffic. Uh, Two motorists at it, so uh, Douglas is not immune to all of this carry-on like no suburb is. 104 to 106. Red FM. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. I just mentioned the 67th Cork International Film Festival is coming up from the 10th 
to the 20th of November. So we're in the middle of it. And uh, when I say coming up, there's a couple of interesting shows that you might like to go and I have tickets for them. One is um, War of the Buttons. They're doing some of the classics. I love that idea, actually. So there's a showing of War of the Buttons in the Triscoll Arts Centre. There's a showing of The Butcher Boy in The Everyman. And there's a showing of The Wind That Shakes the Barley. Fabulous film. And that's happening on Saturday morning at the Everyman. So I have some tickets for those to give away across the week. But for today, I want to feature one particular show, War of the Buttons. So the Cork International Film Festival is running and runs up to next Sunday, the 20th. You can get further details at corkfilmfest.org. You can download the brochure, book tickets and do everything. Go see a film. But I have tickets to give away for Thursday night, 7 o'clock at the Triscoll Arts Centre for War of the Buttons from 1994. So it's very straight forward. Um, you're just listening out for a clip of War of the Buttons. I'll play the clip now and you hear it again sometime between now and midday. Pick up the phone on 0818 We've got two pairs to give away. So we'll have two winners. War of the Buttons. This is what you're listening out for. <laughs> We hear that again sometime between now and midday. 0818104106, Cork Film Festival showing of War of the Buttons on Thursday. You can book tickets directly, as I say, at corkfilmfest.org. Well, in the last 20 minutes or so, news uh, broke that the cervical cancer campaigner and mother Vicky Phelan has passed away. Mother of two died, surrounded by her family at Milford Hospice in Limerick in the early hours of this morning. I gave some of her backstory a little while ago with regards to the uh, inaccurate smear test that she went through. And of course, the importance for her and hundreds of other women was because those uh, smear tests, many of them which went overseas, were inaccurate. They were false uh, negatives, if you like. Uh, They live and sadly, some have died from cervical cancer um, because it was an inaccurate screening. And of course, who was front and centre all the way through this? Refused to sign. Refused to sign an NDA. I thought that was the mark of the woman. She would not sign away her voice uh, when she sued for what happened to her. Uh, I think that was a very brave move because, of course, uh, you know, NDAs would frighten the life out of you. If you don't sign them and you say something, you're the one that ends up in court. But it was the mark of the woman. Thank you to Mark Willington. She's put together a tribute for uh, the late uh, Vicky Phelan. Let's have a listen. I mean, I was just going in for a regular routine checkup in September 2017. He sat me down and we started talking about this audit and it was a very vague conversation. And I remember at the time, I just didn't have the headspace for it. And I just asked him a couple of questions and I said, are you telling me that you know, there's a chance I could have had cancer in 2011? And I kind of started panicking, thinking, but that, that's a lot longer than 2014. I was adding the years in my head going, well, you know, Jesus, is there a chance I could have been cured then? You know, Because, but, because we're talking in 2017, a period before that, where you had had cancer, you had gone through the max of chemo and radiation, and here you were in 2017 with it back again and being told, well, actually, there were signs of it in 2011 that were missed. Exactly, yeah. You decided to sue the HSE and the lab. So you went and got a legal team, but the HSE also lawyered up, didn't they? Yes. There are no winners here today. I am terminally ill and there is no cure for my cancer. My settlement will mostly be spent on buying me time and on paying for clinical trials to keep me alive 
and to allow me to spend more time with my children. If I die, and I truly hope that won't be the case, the money will provide for my family. The women of Ireland can no longer put their trust in the cervical check programme. Mistakes can and do happen, but the conduct of cervical check and the HSE in my case, and in the case of at least 10 other women who we know about, is unforgivable. To know for almost three years that a mistake had been made and that I was misdiagnosed is bad enough, but to keep that information from me until I became terminally ill and to drag me through the courts to fight for my right to the truth is an appalling breach of trust. And I truly hope that some good will come of this case and that there will be an investigation into the cervical check program as a result of this. How do you stay motivated and how do you stay so positive? I mean, you're like a magnet. People are just drawn to you. Does it ever wear you out? No, not at all. No, absolutely not. Because, you know, there, there, there's, I, I never understood it, I'll tell you, until I did it myself. There is something in helping other people that makes you feel good about yourself. I have to say, like, helping other people and people contacting me and saying, oh, Vicky, you'd be so proud of me. I, you know, I asked my doctor a question and that might seem trivial. It's not for some people. Some people are terrified of asking questions. Or people will say, oh, my God, you know, my daughter or my son or my mother got on this drug, Vicky, and that's all thanks to you. I mean, that, that, how could you not feel good about that by helping other people to, to, to navigate things that they just can't do themselves. And so, you're encouraging you know, people to I'm, ask I'm bloody questions, that. aren't yes. you? Ask the questions. Absolutely. We're too meek, 100%. you said. We're too soft. We're feckin' eejits. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you know what? It gets you nowhere. I often say to people, what's the worst thing that can happen? You know, what is the worst thing that can happen? You know, I, I've, I've always been that type of person. I really don't care what other people think. I've always done my own thing. Um, and, you know, it, it stood to me. Look at, you know, if I wasn't like that, I wouldn't be here. It's as simple as that. Listen, it's a pleasure talking to you. Um, thank you so much for taking my call. I wish you and the family well. Thank you so much, Vicky. Thanks very much, Neil. Thank you very much for all your help. Wonderful woman. Vicky Phelan, who has uh, passed away. She had been very unwell for the last couple of months in particular. And I suppose many were dreading the day when it would be announced that she eventually had succumbed to her illness, cervical cancer. Vicky Phelan, who passed away uh, this morning. Back after the break, text 0868104106. The Neil Prendeville Show. Gold winner for interactive speech program at the Imro Radio Awards 2022. Red FM. I'll come back to the passing of Vicky Phelan, hopefully between now and midday today. But if you did want to text or say your own kind thoughts with regards to a wonderful, wonderful woman, brave woman, superwoman, uh, please feel free to do so. Text 0868104106. Now, on Friday's programme, just to recap, a huge response to the issue of uh, a rugby match being played down in Parky Cueve. And I promised, and I read out a few text from it, but I promise because many people did to read out a selection again this morning. Firstly, I've been told to stop using the term GA for God's sake. It's G-A-A or if you won't say that, say hurling and football. Please show some respect. Take it on board. I didn't know when I said GA or used the term GA. I was being disrespectful. I just thought that it was a perfectly common term to use uh, as in a match. Uh, sickening to see our GAA grounds desecrated, says Dara and Blarney. 
um, typical, uh, many people then uh, were disagreeing with our original caller Mick, um, typical GAA man just on about the revenue. Uh, he needs to move on. Munster's core population are supporters in Cork, Kerry and Waterford, as in the Munster rugby team. It was much more accessible for a night game than bringing it all the way to Limerick. How many GAA Cork games bring in a full house like this did? And remember the GAA benefits. Watch your caller on about criticising. We should be promoting all sports to kids. Keeps them off the street, doesn't it? I'm quite sure he'd also be the first to complain about kids hanging around the streets doing nothing. It's a ridiculous argument to say that other sports can't be played. It created a massive buzz for the city. Just typical GAA heads. Uh, Your man sounds like great crack. Not. The match brought a great atmosphere to the city, not to mention the boost it would have brought to the local businesses, says Mags. Yeah, you can see that happening, actually. Anytime there's a gig down in Porky Quay, for instance, or if there's uh, something happening at Live at the Marquee, a lot of the businesses benefit from it, from Blackrock to um, Ballin Temple over to the Silver Quay and in Douglas, not to mention the city. I mean, you know, Goldberg's does well out of it, I know. For instance, that um, Longboat's put on all sorts of fantastic barbecues every time there's an event on down around the park. Isn't it a great option, for instance, Munster get to a European Cup semi-final? Uh, then they won't have to take it to the Aviva. They can do it in Corks, as Cormac and Ballylanders. Um, your criticiser has blinkers on. I played GAA number one and I played rugby during the winter to stay fit for the GAA season. It only benefits people to play multi-sports, to learn different training techniques as well. That attitude is not protecting our games in general. That's a text there from somebody who plays both. You're only reading out the texts that support your own position regarding the GAA. I actually don't have any position on it, to be quite honest with you. I can see both sides of the argument. Uh, and I'm not being selective in the text that I read out. The GAA All-Stars uh, play on rugby pitches when they tour around the world annually. Should, should uh, we, World Rugby stop using All-Stars playing on their pitches, says Paddy? Tell the dinosaurs that sport is sport, and if taxpayers' money is spent on any ground, any sport should be played on it. Your man's living in the past. And just another few, I'm a big GAA fan, not particularly a big rugby or soccer fan, but it's a great thing to see other sports played in Parky Cueve. It's a massive stadium that also needs to be paid back for. So bring on the concerts, the soccer, the rugby matches. If the long run is that they bring in money to pay back the stadium debt, then more revenue can be spent on GAA games and at club level. For God's sake, the pitch is lying idle for too many days and nights a year. End of. And Cork GAA need to think about long-term survival and, more importantly, they should be thinking more about winning All-Irelands again. If golf clubs stop GAA having fundraisers on their grounds, well, how would the GAA feel? Don't want to take away from Munster's win, but the traffic situation in the city needs to be urgently addressed, not only for the match nights, but at peak time. The issue is citywide, from the tunnel to the south link to the Keys, everywhere. I parked at a friend's house in Mahan, got a spin to Porky Cueve. There was a double, there was a bus double parked outside the Ursuline Convent, which stopped traffic for a full 10 minutes. You wouldn't drive a bus down the Blackrock Road at the best of times, not to mention on a match night. It was stuck. Uh, We walked back the greenway from the stadium and remarkable how wasteful it was that some sort of light rail system couldn't be there instead of bringing people to and from the park, Mahan, city centre, etc. Even the rickshaws that used to be active in the city centre some time ago would have made a fortune along the greenway and the marina. It certainly wasn't a night for walking and no doubt the traffic took away from what was another memorable night 
for Cork Sport. Um, your caller, critical of the GAA allowing rugby or soccer, is living in a GAA world. We, the taxpayer, paid for it. We should be allowed to use it for whatever we want. Concerts, rugby, soccer. The place is sitting there most of the time doing nothing. Utilise it as best we can and let's get our money's worth. If it was a private business, it would be open every day and being used for something. Your caller, Mick, needs to get out of backward thinking. Does he want us to go back to uh, wives staying at home doing the housework? Come on, times are changing and it's time the GAA did as well and opened it up to whatever. Otherwise, we'll always have to travel to Dublin for concerts and matches. We should utilise what we have on side, and everyone wins. And that's just a selection. There's lots more than that, including one that was very, very critical of me and my role in it. But that comes with the territory and I'm okay like that. I'm okay with that. Uh, Neil, when I was speaking to you on Friday about the GAA, Mick came back just for... I suppose a correction, if you like. He said, when I was speaking to you on Friday about the GAA, the point I was trying to make was that stewarding is a voluntary role and not many would be available during the week due to work commitments. I wasn't inferring that they were all avoiding the rugby match. So he just wanted to clarify one point that he made on Friday and I'm happy to do that. Okay, I ran out of time on Friday, but I was very much mad keen and looking forward to talking with Brian O'Keefe. Now, he's got an incredible backstory. This is a man who was weighing in at 24 stone at one time in his life and it wasn't for the lack of trying and trying and trying to drop the weight. So I was reading in the Red Tops last week that Corkman um, Brian eventually dropped 10 stone by literally going dark, almost dropping off the planet, leaving home, leaving Cork and going to Mallorca, Mallorca. He's got an incredible story to tell. Brian, good morning. Hi, Neil, how are you? Sorry about Friday. I just ran clean out of time, but very interested to hear your backstory. Uh, is that accurate? So at one stage, 24 stone, was it? Yeah, even last November or December, I was 24, just over 24 stone. And it wasn't for the lack of trying, I mean, or, or, or was it? No, I, I mean, I tried everything. I'd been kind of obese for 15 years and I tried CrossFit and the keto diet and intermittent fasting and boxing and I even had an inflatable balloon in my stomach. What? And, uh, and how come yeah, none of them, did they work for a time or what? Like the balloon should have worked, shouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, they they all worked for a time. Uh, it's just, you, you, you know, I didn't maintain the, the good habits that I created in those times and they just uh, every time put it back on and more. Okay. Was it, was it always bad food choices? Mostly, yeah, um, bad food choices. Uh, like I, I Domino's, you know, regularly at night or, you know, some other takeaway, a chipper or something. And yeah, I was just building up the calories every day um, and yeah, not really caring about it, which is terrible. Do you get to a point where it's gone so far, is it, that you say, well, this is the way it's always, always going to be, so I just need, maybe I'll just get on with it. This is the life I'll have. It, yeah, it's tough, you know, you, you you kind of use food as your kind of pleasure, your source of pleasure, and then your pain is the fact that you're overweight, so it's a vicious cycle of food giving you the pleasure because you're in pain because you're weight, but then it increases the amount of pain and it just goes round and round until you put on more and more weight. And added into that vicious cycle then, of course, was lethargy, tiredness, no energy, you might have had the will, but you just didn't have the way kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, I... I, I there was definitely a portion of that, but I, I think that for a lot of that, it's, it's mind over matter in terms of the lethargy. Yeah, but what were the health implications of going around with over 24 stone, though? 
yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they're serious of a, of a stick, you know. Um, yeah, uh, like I, I, my family history of uh, heart disease and, uh, yeah, I, like I had to make the change. Ticking time bomb, I'd say, weren't you? Yeah, definitely. So what did you decide to do? Yeah, so uh, I, I kind of did, I did an analysis. I, I'd listened to a podcast which recommended doing an analysis on your failures and I realised that, you know, living within a food delivery zone where you could be disciplined for you know, the majority of the day and you have one minute of ill discipline and you've got 3,000 calories in your door. Uh, your door Just by clicking on a button or picking up the phone, yeah. yeah. Exactly. They'll bring so, it to you, like. Yeah, yeah. And, like, it's one minute of ill discipline and it's there. So uh, I, I just, I had to get kind of away from that. And another kind of one of my failures, I'd have, like, the good habits in place and then I'd go for you know, a night out with my friends or go out to eat with my family and that would just, you know, it's kind of like if you're if you're running a marathon and you fall and hurt your ankle in the first kilometre, you're not going to finish the race. No. Nope. But if you, if you fall in the last 100 metres, you're going to finish the race. So I was always... Unless you do what your man kilometer. did in Dublin and uh, finish the second half of the marathon by taking the Lewis. But anyway, that's the story <laughs> for another day, I suppose. So you had yeah. to get out, not necessarily your comfort zone, but just out of your zone and leave Cork, right? Yeah, I, I, well, I was I, I was living in in uh, London, working in London, Sorry, yeah, New okay. York, yeah, yeah, yeah. to to try and uh, get healthy. And for the first year, I was working remotely. And for the first year here, I, I or for the first two months, I got some good habits. And the same thing happened. Lockdown happened. I was drinking and you know, or going out and eating, and uh, like bad habits uh, crept back in. And so it was only in November when uh, I decided, okay, well, let's move move away and let's cut off all contact with all my friends and family and uh, yeah I read uh, David Goggins's book uh, Can't Hurt Me and he kind of talks about you know becoming making yourself uncomfortable every day that you'll build discipline and resilience through doing that and so instead of trying to make it the easiest way I could to lose weight I started trying to make it the hardest way like just adding in exercise more and more every day until I got to five hours a day But hold on a second you firstly had to leave and go to Mallorca to do it right? Yeah, well, so I was living. I've been living in Mallorca for two for two years, and I'm working remotely for the first year. Um, of course, you so could do that, that when you, you, your job allows you to work anywhere. That's very handy, isn't it? Sure. Yeah, and and you um, chose a very very nice climate. In fairness, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm very lucky that I was able to do that. I, I understand that not everyone has that uh, opportunity. All right. Okay. So there you are then at uh, 24 Stone in Mallorca, saying this is it through diet and exercise. What was the plan? What did you do next? Yeah, I, I so I started walking for the first two weeks, ninety minutes a day with my dog, and then I just started adding in more and more exercise. So so I added in weights six days a week for two hours a day, and a week after that, I started running three times a week with the Couch to Five K app, and a week after that, I started. Uh, swimming three times a week and stretching 45 minutes a day and so I just built from zero to five hours of exercise a day in the space of five weeks and still time Um, to work and everything yeah yeah, well, I worked for the first two months, um, but I had a bit of savings built up. So uh, after I had made sure I had the habits in place and kind of created what I call my own success bubble where, you know, nothing could get in the way, um, I, I stopped working as well and just used my savings until uh, I finished. Okay, so this became, this became like full time then for all those months, didn't it? 
yeah, pretty much. Uh, yeah, for, like it was, it was, it was full time, but it was full time suffering. You know, it was, it was hard. Like the first three months, I, uh, I couldn't do anything except for, you know, eat, sleep, exercise, and even if I was going to bed or had to go to the toilet, I'd be hobbling down the hall of oh, I know. my, my yeah. little flat. Yeah, pain and suffering. What, how, and so, how did you change your food habits while all this was going on? What did you end up eating? So I ate pretty much everything. So, but I I maintained a two thousand two hundred calorie um, diet for just religiously. Um, I made sure I got two hundred grams of protein in as part of that. And so I ate I ate like you know, like I'd I'd make a hacks version of burgers and chips, or I'd make uh, like I get a the, the cheese pizza from Little that has you know, almost no cheese on it and I'd add a little bit and because it's so low calorie that you can include it and you know when you need that cheat meal and it wasn't really a cheat meal because it was still part of like I was still staying to 2,200 calories even though I was eating this burger and chips and eating this pizza and of course I ate salads and you know porridge and you know healthy stuff as okay. well. But, but you limited to 2,200 knowing that every yeah. day you'd burn out you'd burn off that and lots more because you were doing five or yeah. six hours exercise regime. Yeah, yeah, and really the only reason I did the exercise was to build the resilience from, that's what like the book was saying, the David Goggins book. So that, building that kind of discipline allowed me to maintain the diet. And did you, did you start to notice it fall off quite rapidly? Yeah, I mean, on those scales it started to fall off rapidly, but it didn't really um, show on my face until... I was six months in, I'd say, because, you know, when you're 10 stone overweight, if you lose four, you're still six stone overweight. Where was it going around the stomach and the gut, was it? No, for, yeah, mostly it's on the on the stomach. But, uh, yeah, like very quickly I lost kind of all the weight in my arms and my shoulders. And But, like, I still even today have a, have a, I would say, a few kilos. Not much, but a few. Yeah, okay. So what did you drop? 10, was it? Yeah, just under 10 stone, uh, three pounds under 10 stone. And what, re- I mean, did did you come off social media or were you posting this, forgive me, were you Instagramming it, TikToking it or anything like that? No, I, I uh, you're right, I did come off social media. I, yeah, I've removed everything. I moved all contact kind of with the outside world as much as possible and just focused. Now, what I did kind of record my, uh, you know, every day in the car I'd record how I was feeling, how, you know, physically, mentally, what I was doing in the gym that day, what I was eating, you know, all these things. So I have a record of all that for every day. But no, until I finished, uh, until I, I surprised everyone, I didn't, uh, I didn't uh, use social media. Okay, so let's, let's look at that stage then, the surprise or the reveal. Uh, 10 stone down in, in what period in total? Uh, 10 stone in seven and a half months. Okay. So did you visit family then for the first time in that period? Yeah, so the, the, yeah, no, they had no idea that I'd lost the weight. Um, I had told them in December that I was, wasn't going to speak to them for three months and then after three months it was working and I didn't tell them that it was working but I told them that I'd, uh, I wasn't going to speak until the end of July. But did they which, ask you uh, why? I mean, did you tell them why you wouldn't be speaking? I mean, who's in the family that you should have been speaking to and weren't speaking to? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've four sisters and three brothers and my parents, so, uh, you know, all of them uh, I should have been speaking to. But What did you, you say know, the reason was, you're not going to hear from me for three months? I said to work on myself, but I wasn't any more specific than that. Were they worried, though? Uh, yeah, I'm, yeah, they were. I mean, afterwards, they told me, like, a lot of people told me they thought I was mental. So, <laughs> you know, um, I'm sure they were. Because for a parent whose son or daughter would say, you're not going to hear from me for three months, I need to go away to work on myself. 
I would be paralysed with fear and worry. Mm, yeah, no, I, I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure they were, um, but you know, uh, they understood. I think as well uh, that you know, uh, they that the weight had really bothered me. You know, it affected you know my relationships. It affected you know. Yeah, no, my whole life, and you're always worried about how you're perceived. So they knew that that was weighing on me. So they were they were supportive for the most. So just part. on that point, it it bothered you what people thought of you at that weight. Yeah, well, I, I you'd be worried about the perception because there's a perception of people that are overweight that they're ill-disciplined, you know, and maybe and there's some truth to that, particularly around food, but that's not necessarily true in other elements of their life. Yeah, yeah, but people didn't ever remark on it or anything like that. No, no, no. Like, you know, friends jokingly sometimes, but very rarely. What was it like then? You literally walked through the front door in Cork, is it or what? Yeah, yeah. So that that was exactly it. I, I just surprised one person after the other and they had to keep the secret until the next person was surprised. <laughs> and I just recorded all their reactions. And yeah, it was amazing. Oh, I'd love to see some of those. Because I, I hear tell that there's like, uh, well, when I read it, 1.2 million People had looked at the reveal videos, but what? How did your parents respond on the doorstep? Do your own key to go in the front door? I suppose. No, so I, I had my sister had, had been surprised and was in it at that stage. So she told my mother that there was a package coming and that she, you know, that she needed to be there for us. So I had an empty brown box that was covering my face as I rang the doorbell, and uh, you can you can you'll see it on. Um, on the video on, on TikTok or Instagram, you can see my mum's reaction at the door as I dropped the box. What was her reaction? Oh, like, it, it was amazing. It's, you know, it was super special. You know, my mum was as worried as anyone about my weight. And, you know... Uh, did she recognise you? Yeah, 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 she did. Well, I, I was I was kind of did that good weight until I was 19. So uh, that's what everyone says. I just look like I'm a teenager again. <laughs> <laughs> So was she? Did she give out to you? No, no, no. She you know, Mammy's like they'd be delighted to see you, but they still give out to you. No, yeah, no, no. She was over the moon. Really was just delighted. And your friends, what do they make of it all? To see the new you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're, they're like just so delighted for me. Like I've a you know great group of friends, and yeah, they're just su- super happy for me. Uh, you know, they got sick of it after about a day. They were like, "Would you ever shut up about it?" <laughs> <laughs> you know, as friends do. But uh, yeah, no, they were. They and were you happy. did a triathlon, I believe, as well as a consequence of the weight loss, did you? Yeah, I did. So yeah, I was. Uh, I wanted to do kind of uh, challenges along the way to keep my kind of mind focused. And so I had a from the very start. After I knew I'd kind of done my five k as part of the Couch to Five K app, I was like, you know what, I could do this at twenty stone. And I think that's you know to show that you can do a triathlon at twenty stone would be good for people to see. So I did it. Yeah, an hour and forty seven minutes at twenty stone, and then. I stopped the triathlon after that and built up to doing a half marathon in July just just before I flew home to, to surprise everyone I did a half marathon. Uh, so yeah, just keep I keep on like looking at these challenges because that's the way I stay focused. And what's the target? Um, weight wise or yeah, yeah. I like I think my my best weight would be around thirteen and a half stone, and so I'm about fourteen high fourteens at the moment. So I'd like to get down another. You know, stone six kilos. Okay, and uh, yeah, and a, and a whole new wardrobe, no doubt. Yeah, 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 yeah. That that was yeah, that was great. That was. What you do with thing. all the big boys' clothes? 
I, I still have them just for, uh, well, I'm, I'm going to throw or give most of them away to, to charity, but um, yeah, I have a couple of them just to take a few photos because like, my T-shirt went from a 4XL to a medium. <laughs> and, uh, That's amazing. Yeah. I remember walking in uh, to because when I was flying home to the surprise, I, I needed to get a new pair of jeans. And I walked into the jeans store here in Mallorca. She goes, "What size are you?" I was like, oh, "I've actually no idea." And she goes, "And I had been a forty-four waist." And uh, I, uh, she goes, "I think you're a thirty-two. I was like, "There's no way I'm a thirty-two." And I was a thirty-two. I couldn't believe it. Was it thirty-two? It was. It was thirty-two from a forty-four. Yeah. That's amazing. I mean, there was no, I mean, yeah, you don't need any surgery for skin or anything like that, no? You just no, completely toned up. Yeah, well, I was very lucky. A lot of it's on my bum, so, uh, <laughs> and I, so I'm not really worried about that. I've just got, you know, a super wrinkly bum now. And, uh, <laughs> other, other than that, uh, you know, my, 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 uh, my chest is a tiny bit, but uh, I've worked, I've been doing so much weights that it kind of, I can kind of hide it somewhat. And then, yeah, that's, that's basically it. Okay, I have uh, okay. a lot of stretch marks, all right, but all right, not well, too much. Effort. You know, what the hell, man? You keep on doing the exercise and pumping the weights and everything. You'll tone up even more. And tell me, it, it was quite drastic, but what advice would you give to somebody who's weighing in 5, 10, 15 stone more than they want to be? I mean, you went to a yeah. drastic extreme, but what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, uh, my most important message would be you can do it. No matter what weight you are, you, you can do it, you know, and you don't need surgical intervention like it's possible, you know. And, of course, I did an extreme, you know, way of doing it that I failed so many times it was right for me. And I'm not necessarily saying that that might be right for you, but look at your circumstances and what, why do you consistently fail? And if you can look at that and try and create what my uh, success bubbles for yourself um, that, you know, address those failures, then you can do it as well. Okay, you're on I mean, you hold, the whole story is detailed on your at the O'Keefe Instagram page, isn't it? Yeah, um, and on my website brianokeefe.com. Okay, and you I mean, do you you know, you sound very inspiring to me. Is this a career route that you might follow down now? Because of your success. Well, I, lo- I, I, I believe I can help people. You know, I, I, I've talked to some per- like personal trainers and they've been fit all their lives and they don't understand the kind of mental anguish that someone yeah. has been that big. And yeah. I understand it. So I, even all the messages I've received, I, I, I can see that I can help these people or I hope I can. So I think, I think hopefully I, I will be able to. So, yeah. It's a great achievement. Do you, I mean, do you have any treats now? Are you, are you very, very vigilant about everything you eat? No, so after I did the surprise, I kind of, uh, yeah, I still maintain like an eye on what I'm eating and make sure I get enough protein. But uh, yeah, I, I still kind of track my foods for the most part. Um, and now I'm on a, a diet again until Christmas to try and get down that last six kilos. Okay, okay. And keep it off, hear me? No more bad yeah, habits. Exactly. You know, don't go reversing out of your success, yeah? Yeah, fingers crossed. But yeah, no, it's all it's all about maintaining the habit. All right, my man. Listen, it's great to finally chat with you, Brian. Big shout out to all the yeah. family back home in Cork then, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. Everyone in Mallow and uh, yeah, family all over the world, Florida, Spain, you know, uh, yeah, Dublin, uh, Cork. So all of them, they've been amazing. Delighted for you. Good to chat. Take care of yourself, Brian O'Keefe. Thanks for taking the call. Thanks for having me, Neil. Cheers. Take care. Well done. Thank you for making the Neil Prendeville Show the most listened to talk show in Cork. Again, Cork's Red FM.
Vecha with a 10,000 euro prize to give away courtesy of ourselves and Sound Store. They recently opened their new electrical superstore and it's got everything for the home in it. You get a complete makeover for everything that you need a plug or a battery for with 10,000 euro. That's what we're giving away courtesy of ourselves and Sound Store. So you need to identify these five voices. When they're all stitched together, they say, I love Cork's Red FM. But you need to identify all five celebs in the right order. I love Cork's Red FM. And fair to say now that two voices have been correctly guessed, but three remain aloof. Phone lines are open now if you'd like a guess. 0818-104-106. Here's what happened last week. I love Cork's Red FM. I go Michael Sheen, Lady Gaga, Graham Norton, Adele, and Colin Farrell. Colin Farrell. To each and every one of them, I say no. Ed Sheeran, Garth Brooks, Mary Lou MacDonald, Rita Ora, and Tommy Kiernan. No, 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 no. Dahi O'Shea, Sinead Kennedy, and Doyle, Laura Whitmore, Brendan Gleeson. I have good news for you. You got one. <laughs> Robbie Coltrane, Sinead Kennedy, Nigella Lawson, Laura Whitmore, and Niall Horan. Oh, that's very interesting. That's very, very interesting. You have got two. I love Cork's Red FM. Okay, so that's what happened last week. Eventually, we got two. Neil's five-star giveaway. With Sound Store, celebrating the opening of their new electrical superstore at Market Green Retail Park, Middleton. Phone lines are open, 0818-104-106. Have a guess, even if you can't get five right, or you can guess five, just guess anyway, because it's a case of... Annoyed as you might be to hear it, it's a case of everybody helping each other to lead us to one ultimate winner. 0818-104-106. Rosaline, good morning, and Bandoff, is that... Ballandoff, is it? Bandoff, yeah. Bandoff, all right, I knew it, okay. So, for 10 grand, have a listen to this. You can have five guesses then if you so choose. I love Corks. Right. FM. What do you think of that? So, I think Daniel Day-Lewis, Rachel Blackmore, Pierce Brosnan, Laura Whitmore and Nate Horan. Well, you got two of them right, and I can imagine you know the two, but the other three, no, I'm afraid not. So, the three other ones? (laughs) Thanks all the same. Take care. Eilish is in Cargillan. Eilish, good morning. Morning. All right, so everybody gets to hear it. I love Corks Red FM, but who are they? I love Corks Red FM. What do you think, Eilish, for 10,000 euro? Saying Niall Horan, Laura Whitmore, Kay Burley, Jose, and Danny O'Donoghue. We pretty much know the two that are correct. Uh, Although they need to be in the right order when you call again, but for the other three, I'm afraid. No. Okay, thank you. Try again. Thank you so much. Pamela's in Dunmanway. Good morning. Hiya, hi Neil. What's it like down west along in Dunmanway this morning? Nice? Well, the, sun, the sun is out at the moment, so we're hopeful that it'll stay out. Beautiful town, the town of Dunmanway. Okay, so for you, five voices. I love Corks. Right. FM. What are your guesses, Pamela and Dunmanway? Is it um, Alex Ferguson, Anna Geary, Anne Doyle? Laura Whitmore and Nile Horn. Apart from the two that we pretty much know to be correct at this point in time, the rest of them. <coughs> Sorry. Oh, okay. <laughs> All Sorry. the best. Thank Take you. care. Bye. Liz, good morning in Glanmire. Morning, Lee. How are you? I'm good. Uh, it's all the girls this morning, which is interesting. Oh, hang on. Paul is next. Hang in there. 
I love corks. Right. FM. Okay, in the right order, Liz, please. Give me all five and I'll give you ten grand. All right. Here goes. Here goes. Dermot Kennedy. Um, one second. Oh, Dermot Kennedy. Dermot Kennedy. Um, ben Miller. Uh, Laura Whitmore. Kelly Clarkson. Andy Farrell. And one more. No, I have one more. <laughs> no, no, another one that will be... That's that's six. <laughs> All right. Any right. If I if I if I allow six, then you got two right, but they're the same two that everybody else is getting right. I'm afraid. So to the other ones. Right. <laughs> Sorry. I keep trying. Keep trying, girl. Fair play to you. All right, it's worth ten grand, courtesy of ourselves and Sunstore. If I get another couple of seconds, I'll try again this side of midday. But um, every, we were all going to kind of get stopped in our tracks this morning, um, and uh, you know, been reacting and reeling from the news. Everything else sounds quite so insignificant, really, doesn't it? When you hear the passing of Vicky Whelan, Vicky Phelan overnight. Um, and I'll see an awful lot of tributes coming in. Most of them, actually, that I was seeing online are from politicians, you know, talking about her and saying kind tri- tributes to her. Tisha Weehal Martin is, I mean, Coveney is. In fact, um, Sinn Féin's president, Mary Lou MacDonald, says uh, that she was a mother, a daughter, a sister, a champion of women, a campaigner who took on the state and won. May she rest in peace. Well, she certainly did win with regards to taking on the state um, in a legal capacity and cushioning her loss for her children when she's gone. But the rest of it, though, she did not win. Uh, in fact, it's fair to say that our system ultimately killed her or those that should have been making sure that the system that was in place killed her and others. And and it, and I'm just thinking as I'm, as I'm talking, it then led to uh, at least 200, probably closer to 220, 230 women walking around with cervical cancer who just should not be. Uh, and amongst them, actually, I spoke to her in the past, was Carol, is Carol Murray. Carol, good morning. Hi, Neil. How are you? Your thoughts on her passing? Um, well, like, I obviously knew, you know, that there was no more they could really do. I've heard and seen that last few months, but I think it just kind of stopped me in my tracks a while ago. I was actually at a meeting with my mum and I saw the thing pop up and it just shook me, Neil, you know what I mean? Like, obviously, I don't know her on a one-to-one personal level, but, you know, I feel so connected with her and so many other women, you know? And I think, um, sorry. I know. It just stopped me in my track when I saw it this morning because it just, like the same with the girl a few weeks ago, just, Lindsay, it just brings everything back, you know? And it just, it just told you back, like, what has been done to us, like, and especially Vicky now with her two kids just before Christmas. It's a horrible any time of any time for it to happen. I know, but, I know. You know, you just... And so many... Simi- and, and, no, I know, nor should it happen to you. And so many similarities to your own case, that cervical smear yeah. test in, I think you were telling me it was, was 2010 and read incorrectly as well. Yeah, my first one read incorrect in 2010 and 11. Um, when I actually, when it all came out in 18, I went investigating and I found out one of my smears was actually lost in the lab. So they couldn't even redo it to check. Um, but this is all information that I had to You described it as long. women, so many women falling through the cracks. Falling through the crack. And to be honest, it's still happening. You know, I just feel like if Vicky was the one that actually blew it all up, that time, you know what I mean? And I think I honestly and I still say that if she didn't do that that time after her court case, we I don't know, would any of us be the wiser, you know what I and mean? And refusing like, to sign a gagging did. order as well, remember that. Oh yeah. 
Yes, exactly. And I feel like if she didn't bring it to light then, would any of us know, you know what I mean? Where we, like we were, as you know, I was called in in 18 to be informed, but that was two weeks after Vicky had gone public. And I suppose a week before Vicky had her case, I had an appointment and nothing was said to me. And so do you I think if she hadn't, that nobody would have got callbacks at all? Oh, They'd have left sleeping dogs Neil. lie? I, I 100% because as I said before in previous interviews, sorry, that um, in April of 18, I was up for an appointment and he said he was sending me for further tests, whatever, because I just get anxious. And nothing was said. And then I was going in for another, uh, for they read to me and said, oh, you have to come in. And I thought it was a biopsy. And when I rang, they said, oh, no, they're giving you results. And remember, I said that when I went in and informed about the mistake, I thought I was being re-diagnosed. It was like the same as 11, but next thing. So when he called me and he said, oh, there's, it's after coming to light that there was mistakes, all this and stuff. But it was only after then I realised the time frame, you know, so I was up, say, a week or two before Vicky had yep, her four cases and it all came out. I know. Nothing was mentioned. And then it was literally two weeks later, everyone was being called. Everyone was being called. So I do yeah. 110% I know Vicky didn't blow it out of the water that time. None of us would be the wife. And how have you been? I mean, what treatment are you getting? Um, Well, at the moment, like, I'm just trying to, I suppose, balance or treat everything. Like, you know, like, I'm very strong. My menopause is very, very uh, in progression at the moment. Like, um, in 2015, I was told by the gynae that, oh, I'm finished menopause, so they took me off tablets. But they they were doing pregnancy tests and not hormone checks. So like I'm very they said to me that I'll be in it till I'm in my fifties because it's medically induced. I have stronger um symptoms. But not only that, I find my fibromyalgia now and stuff is really flared up at the moment. And know? the cancer? Just various things. The cancer is cancer free, but in my head it's there. Do you get me? Like yeah. I can't I can't, yeah. and I'm so grateful, like, even listening to Vicky now passing away and stuff, I am so grateful I'm cancer-free, but I just constantly live in this fear, you know? I know. I'm every day thinking, like, am I sick again? And I get pain in my chest. I'm like, oh, my God, I've lung cancer, you know? And I, I, I feel it's stupid it's somewhere it, else, and I yeah. feel selfish because there's women out there that didn't survived like I did. And there is. Irene Teep is amongst them. Stephen Teep's wife and we spoke to him on the air and, the you know, and, and I, she's five years dead now. Yeah. Do you know, and I am grateful like that I'm still here, Neil. Don't get me wrong, but I just can't shift this fear, you know. Then when I saw Vicky earlier on, it just brought everything back because I suppose with myself, I had a very fast-growing tumour and they told me if I was seen six weeks early, I wouldn't have had any chemo, I wouldn't have had any radiation. I wouldn't have had, I'd still be able to have kids. There were their words. And like, I, I suppose when you think about how different it would have been six weeks earlier, I it know. always brings me back, like, what if it was six weeks later? Do you get me? Like, I do. I, I mean, you count every minute and every second and every day. Yeah. 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 So you, my thoughts and my prayers are just going out to her family. And, thank you, know, you, it's Karen. just horrible. I know even people probably, like, she knew it was coming in her family, but no one, like, when it actually comes, it's not, you're not prepared for it. You get I me? Know. It's just a huge loss to all the women affected from the service of America. And our thoughts are with her family. advocate for all of us, yes, like, you yes, know. Yeah. Look after yourself, Carol. Thank you so much Look for me, sharing. Thanks. Thank you and your kind words. Right. Regular contributor to this program is the health and wellness practitioner, Michael O'Doherty, who at one stage was actually treating a quite close to Vicky Feeler and he joins me by phone. Michael, good morning. Good morning, Neil. 
How did you feel when you heard the news that she passed away overnight? Yeah, look, and I suppose it was always a little bit inevitable, and I suppose the nation is in mourning over this because uh, you know so many people had, you know, were were, were sort of rooting for Vicky, and uh, but she maybe surpassed the expectations um, for so, so long. The, she battled, yeah, for so long, yeah. And the thing about it is, while there's an element of um, there's an element of there's a huge amount of sadness and grief in in the in the country and further afield, but I think there's also you know, that um, element of, I suppose, frustration and anger as to... Yeah, yeah, and we should, but we should be angry, and it's, it's yeah, right that we yeah. say kind things and remember her with yeah, love yeah, yeah. and compassion, but at the same time, we should be angry. But her, the, the length that she fought, I mean, you work on a positive mindset yeah. in what yeah, you do, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. Was she very, very positively strong? Yeah. She 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 was positively strong. I mean, I had got to, I got to know probably Vicky maybe over four years ago, <clears throat> maybe more. And um, you know, she was you know she so she's bat- been battling, but her mind was very positive. She was very focused. She was willing to try everything. She went to America, as everybody knows. She gave up her family to go and see if she could, um, you know, get better to be there for longer for her family, which probably she did to a certain degree. And you know, and. Um, she was she, she was an amazing woman because she was also supportive of other women yeah. whom I whom I knew as part of that group as well and had treated as well there to help them. But uh, you know, and but as I said to you, uh, for me, for me, Neil, I have to say that it, it's more it, it's huge sadness, huge loss, and and um, it's just the anger. I, I think I get very frustrated with this because I think for some reason I remember speaking to one of the uh, ladies in the group and I had said you know what did the consultant say when 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 you didn't ask them or when you asked them why they didn't tell you and you know she said to me he said two words I forgot and I, and I thought to myself like like what 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 world are we in what planet are we in like I mean here are women who are mothers because uh, you know uh, Mary Lou McDonald I think whoever said it was right that, was Mary Lou McDonald know, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know, the, here are mothers, uh, you know, who have left their husbands, their daughters, their sons, their kids behind them. Uh, and, and, and and needlessly, when you I suppose, when you think about it. So, look, there is a huge, I think there's, there's going to be an outpouring of grief um, as yeah. far as Vicky Feeling is concerned, Neil. But uh, all I can say from my experience was that, uh, I mean, she was very inspirational, spiritual, <clears throat> very much connected, understood you know her journey understood probably the end game as well mm. and uh, you know so you know there's no words can put into play but it was it was a pleasure for me to have always known her and 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 whatever little bit of help that we gave her hopefully it did help her but um yeah it's a really really really, really sad time and i'm hoping that the medics at least will start looking at this and saying god we need to make sure this never happens never again, happens again. You know, ne- yeah. never happens again and, and you know it, 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 and i'd say charlie word is, is is must be absolutely heartbroken i see him tweeting this morning my heart is broken mm. just hearing about the passing of vicky yeah. over the year past yeah. year she gave me great support you see that yeah. mental awareness the positivity of mind that she gave to others including charlie yeah. to keep fighting his terminal illness yeah 